It's time to start the podcast with Z and Lenny. We're going to drink it up and tell you funny things. Come drink with me and you will see. Godfather 2 is the best sequel ever made. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Hey, everybody. Hello, Don Bracey. Oh, (laughs) yes. So, welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. And I am the baby sister, drinking all the time, running around with these dudes, will come home and take care of you and your babies, (laughs) Zenobia. (laughs) And I'm your trusted neighborhood helpful friend, will you? Taking care of business, listening to the people, and shooting up shit, Lenny. Ow! You know how I roll. And here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. (laughs) (laughs) And tonight is no different. No way, sister. This is amazing. It's amazing. So we are in the midst of sequel month, and we could not do our very first sequel month without doing. The greatest sequel ever made. Ever made. Of all time ever made. Of all time. The Godfather Part 2. Godfather Part 2. It had to be done. It had had to be. That was, there was no negotiating that one off this list at all. Nope. It was just where we going to put it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where we had to sandwich it in between, you know, a lighthearted film and a lighthearted film. (laughs) This one is not a lighthearted film. No. I definitely had to mentally and emotionally prepare myself because it had been a minute. I mean, how many times did we have to watch The Godfather in film theory during school? Like a Mm -hmm. lot. So I have watched the crap out of this trilogy. And to jump right back in, I was like, I oh my gosh. So I ended up watching the first two. I haven't watched the third yet again, but I definitely did not. I stuck to just part two because I did not have another eight hours to waste on the other two movies. I really did not. I did it. I did not. But it is coming up because I love The Godfather and it's hard to just watch one. It is. It was just so, I I just didn't, I wanted to, you know, I really wanted to see Vito before it was Robert De Niro Vito. And there there was just a lot. And I was like, I might as well. I watched the second. Then I was like, just go ahead and watch the first. Like, just do it. Okay, fine. (laughs) I will. Okay, so I'm ready to drink, girl. I'm ready to drink. Give it to me. So tonight, we are drinking The Godfather Part 2 cocktail. Now, the reason why it's called The Part 2 is because it is a, it's an add-on to the original Godfather cocktail. Okay. A lot like this one. So the original Godfather cocktail consists of scotch and amaretto. Mm-hmm. So in the Godfather 2 cocktail, you're going to need two ounces of scotch. Okay. Ooh. So get your fancy bottle of scotch out there, girls, and go get it. Yeah. And you're going to need one ounce of amaretto. And you're going to need half an ounce of honey. 
So honey is very hard to mix into your cocktail. So you're going to want to cut it a little bit with some hot water just to make it liquid so that it will mix into your cocktail. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to have big chunks floating around. <laughs> and then you need one ounce of apple juice. So you're going to put yes. all that in a shaker with some ice. You're going to put some ice in your rocks glass and you're going to pour it in there. And that, my friend, is the Godfather Part 2 cocktail. I feel like we put apple in there because Michael is the Don's apple of his eye. Ooh, like right? that. That's, that's kind of how I felt inspiration for this. You know, out of all his kids, I'm pretty sure Michael was his favorite. He was. Remember, because <laughs> he was so sad that Michael has to take over the family business because after Sonny yep. dies. Yep. So in honor of Godfather, we're going to say salut. Salut. All right. And here we go. Let's try this. To the Godfather. Oh, this is good. Oh, my God. I. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> oh, this is good. I mean, like, seriously, I added on to this because I didn't want to just drink scotch and amaretto. Not that it didn't sound good. It just did not sound like what I wanted to drink today. And so I just added some of these things because they go good with scotch. And this is great. Mm -hmm. Because scotch is definitely an acquired taste. I know a lot of people don't really go for scotch. The amaretto makes it so smooth already, but then to add the little apple creates a little bit like of a, a zing to it. I like it. So I read mm. that scotch goes really good with honey and apple. It's not good with citrus fruits. No, yeah. So no. don't try to put no lime or no lemon in your cocktails with this because it's just not going to give you the flavors mm -hmm. that you want. No, I love this. Seriously, it's going to be a wonderful one. Well, thank you. This is a wonderful cocktail. <laughs> pretty good, right? Pretty when you have a bottle of scotch and it sits there for some period of time, you know, because it's such a sipping drink to know that I can just like throw in a little amaretto and an apple in it. Dang. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, I don't even know if you would need the honey. I just put the honey in there just to add a little bit of sweetness. Absolutely. But you don't have to. The amaretto is also sweet as well. Mm -hmm. And depending on what apple juice you use. So are you ready for a little bit of her story? Yes, I am. On scotch. So scotch <gasps> is something that we on this show don't drink that often. It's not usually in our mix, but you can't do the Godfather without doing scotch. So we just kind of, you know, old man drink it and we did it. That's so true. here's a, what I found out about scotch. Okay. So it originally came from Ireland. So some monks in Ireland who like to drink imported perfumes and get drunk off of it, they're like, mmm, this bouquet of perfume tastes so good. I'm getting a little buzz. So they figured out a way to make it without it being all perfumey and <laughs> like toxic, I would feel like. I don't know what they put in their perfume back then. I guess alcohol. Huh? That makes sense. So yeah, so these monks figured out how to make it into what we kind of know as scotch. And this happened in the 14th century. Wow. So these, these monks were being crafty over there in Ireland. So in the 15th century, there was a big ass like boom in Scotland because in 1506, King James IV went to Inverness. That's where my ancestors are from. Oh, really? Your ancestors in Inverness, they liked it too. 
And so they had a lot of scotch there. And when King James the Fourth came through there, they sent him going back to London with a whole buttload of scotch. And so when he got back to London, he was like, girls, I just drank this most amazing spirit ever. It's called scotch, girl. It tastes great. And so he told everybody, everybody told everybody, and scotch became like a huge ass thing. Like people went nuts for it. Hell yeah, they did, in the Highlands. Yep. So by 1644, the Scottish Parliament decided that they were going to tax scotch because people were just getting way too loose off of scotch and making all this money off of scotch, but government ain't getting their due. So That's how they always do it. They did that too, remember? They did that in Kampala and Uganda because they were losing money. For their own yep. liquor, and they are like, we're going to use the ex- excuse that people are getting too drunk on this shit. Fuck those guys. Sorry. Fuck those guys. So this happened in 1644. So Parliament's like, hey, girl, we going to tax your scotch. And the distillers were like, uh, I know you're not. We about to turn into bootleggers. And so thus goes a battle between the distillers and the Scottish Parliament for 150 years they go at it. And so in doing this, they created bootleggers who were just pumping this shit out. No matter what they did, they could not stop these people from making scotch because that was just their drink. So by 1820, over 14,000 distills were being shut down each year. They were stopping it. You know, they were trying their best, but no matter what they did, you couldn't stop a scotch Mm -mm. from drinking some scotch. So... (laughs) Oh, no. So by the 19th century, it finally becomes illegal. And of course, there's a huge ass boom. But not only is there a huge ass boom because it's legal, but another event that we previously talked about, about with cognac. So in France, they had that huge outbreak of insects that were eating all of their vineyards, eating all the grapes and all the stuff. So there could not be, there was a shortage of French wine, brandy, and cognac because mm. of this. So when this happened, of course, those sales went down, but scotch sales went up. Yeah, yeah. Just started going forward because, you know, hey, somebody's got to give these people what they want. Yeah, exactly. If you want to know some more fun facts about that one, let's start Dolomite episode when we talk about Cognac. Which, honestly, it's one of our best episodes. So go watch it. Best movie, it best is episode. One of our best. I love that. It's film. a good one. <laughs> All right, so fast forward to the early 1900s and prohibition is in being active in America. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, hey, girls, you can't drink in the streets. You can't drink at home. You can't make your own shit. You can't do nothing because it's sinful. If you believe that, I don't know why you're listening to the show, but people did believe that. So what ended up happening is that prohibition created organized crime like the mob and so what the mob would do is is that they would have scottish people bring barrels and barrels and barrels of scotch out to the u.s water line and then dump them there and they would sit there and float and then the mob would come up in their boats and swoop them up and (laughs) bring them back into the shore and sell that shit to everyone else and so the the scottish people saw this as giving humanitarian aid they said because what they were doing was trying to help Americans drink fine scotch instead of drinking dangerous moonshine. 
where people are like dying and going blind and blowing up. They're like, hey, girl, we got this like unlocked over here. We'll just like drop some barrels off every <laughs> once in a while. It's just to get you by. Just float them across the sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that is uh, kind of what we did that. Okay. So one of my favorite things before we end this about scotch that I found out about scotch. So in 1785, this guy named Robert Burns, who was a whiskey tax man, I guess you could say. He was part of the people in Scotland who were taxing scotch. Mm-hmm. But he was not a hater of scotch. He was just working, doing yeah. his job. Um, he actually loved scotch so much that he came up with this poem that is like unofficially the drink of scotch. So okay. here we go. <clears throat> so hold up your scotch, everybody. Here we go. Oh, you, my mercy, do good scotch drink. Inspire me till I lisp and wink <laughs> to sing your name, Scotch. And so that is the poem ah, to Scotch. Cheers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of her story. Scotch, you guys. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. And what Scotch are you drinking tonight? I am not drinking anything too fancy because, you know, hey, girl, we on a buzzer. <laughs> we on a budget. Uh, so I'm drinking Dewar's uh, blended scotch whiskey. I'm drinking the white label. I don't know what that means. It just says true scotch. Double <laughs> aged. Ooh. Ooh, and baby. And extra smooth. It is pretty smooth because I drank it earlier. But yeah, I'm not an old man, so I'm not really into scotch. I feel like old me is going to love this shit. What are you drinking? So I got lucky today when I went to the store and when I saw the there a, a bottle of Glenlivet for 31 bucks. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so I'm drinking Glenlivet single malt scotch, which uh, was the first legal scotch distillery in Scotland, which is pretty cool. Oh, so after they got rid of the tax in them, they were like, hey, girls. Yeah. And he was like, I'm the first one to jump in there. Wow. So Full circle. I know. That's what I was like. Oh my God, this is so exciting. Yeah. So I grabbed it. It's this is specific one was American barrel. They called it American barrel. Yeah. I guess they're old oak barrels from here. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I think maybe that's why it was cheaper than you, the usual bottle. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, American made. Yeah. Cause real scotch. They're like, I don't want any of these. Nah. But yeah. 1824. Glenn Levitt. Cheers. This one is 1846. So they've been doing it a long ass time. They really have. I love a good scotch. I'm glad that we're drinking it tonight. Thank you for making this amazing drink. It's beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to feel about it because I'm not the biggest scotch fan. And mm-hmm. when I did some research on what goes good with it, adding it to it, it does taste way, way better than I thought. It, so, almost, like, I, I hate to say it. It almost doesn't taste like the scotch. I mean, Ron Swanson would be pissed. At us right now. Ron Swanson. Okay. So I'm so, ready. Are you ready? Are you I'm ready? ready? I'm are ready you ready for the motherfucking drinking game? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right, everybody. Zenobia laid the drinking games into my precariously drunk, stumbly hands. I did. And I'm coming back. This is part two. This is the, uh, part two of my part two. 
Oh my God. <laughs> Second time I've ever gotten your sequel. Day. My sequel. Here it is. So let me know how y'all like it. Let me know how I do. I do. I tried to keep it as conducive and helpful with our drinking abilities and drink making. So go ahead and grab your drinks. Hope it's fresh. If not, I mean, I've been sipping on mine. I'm probably going to finish it by this end for sure. <laughs> All right, here we go. So you are going to take a sip. Take a sip. When somebody says the word Godfather. Under Vito Corleone, also known as the Godfather. I, uh, I never know no Godfather. Or Hyman. Ooh, Hyman Roth. Frankie, you know my father did business with Hyman Roth. He respected him. Your father did business with Hyman Roth. Your father respected Hyman Roth. But your father never trusted Hyman Roth. Okay, so... Hyman Roth, baby. What it, does somebody say Don? Because that counts. Don Corleone. Yes, I'll take that. Because the Godfather gets brought up just a couple of times, like when they're in the trials, when they do a lot of the flashbacks. That's when they say Godfather. I mean, when and and we can do Don too because that that's how a lot of people will refer to them as well. Okay. So yeah, whenever you hear Godfather, Hyman, or Don, take a sip. You're gonna take a sip when someone dies. Ooh, okay. Now, of course, we have the iconic first one: Vito's mother. She gets shot. She flies across, you know, and then he runs for his fucking life. Oh, his brother so, gets shot I'll too. I'll take that. Yeah, brother gets shot. But also, like, it doesn't have to be a gunshot kill. Like, when he kills Don Francesco, remember when he slices that belly open and, like, rips him up? Yep. This is for you. Ah! Like, that would all, like for killing my whole goddamn family. Make whole me an family, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and like when he shoots Fantucci in the face, Fanucci, sorry, yep. Fanucci in the face. Ooh, mm. I love that. That that bullet hole is just so pre. Like ah, uh, I love it. Anyway, so when someone <laughs> dies, you are going to take a sip. Okay. You're going to take a sip when the Godfather asks a favor of somebody. So like okay. his little sister Connie when he when he goes I want to be reasonable with you. Now why don't you stay here with us with the family? You can live here on the estate with your kids. You won't be deprived of anything. You can have everything you want. Stay with your family. Be with us here, you know. Don't marry this man. I don't know this man. That's I don't know what the- he does. I don't know this Merle. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he lives on. Why don't you tell him marriage is out of the question and you don't want to see him anymore? Don't, but don't do it. Don't marry him. He, and it's very few than the Godfather asks for favors. Like he goes to Frankie Pantagelli and he says, you know, bury the hatchet with the Russo brothers, you know, like. What can I do? Settle these troubles with the Rosado brothers. Don't make any waves. We need this fucking. We to need, go I need to, I need to find out who the mole is in this family. Godfather doesn't ask a lot of favors. So take a sip when he does. What about Vito? Does he count too? Like when he asks the landlord, he's like, yeah, the dog can stay. You know, I'll pay you double and whatever. Does that Absolutely. Count? Absolutely. Okay. Doesn't have to be the only, like, 
no other god like i don't want any other dons getting some credit here it's our god the corleone godfather okay yes of the family of the family all right you going to take a sip take a sip when we switch back and forth through the years we're going back to Vito to Michael, Vito to Michael. Every single time it's like, like time traveling, take a sip. Okay. The timeline of this movie is between 1901 mm-hmm. and like the 60s. Yep. So you're going to take a sip. Traveling through time. I like that. You're going to take a sip. Take a sip. When guns are fired. Crazy. The, the, the bullets coming through the window, it's like, she, she's like, why are the shades drawn open? Michael, why are the drapes open? Like, oh, shit. And like, I know, he looks through it like, yeah, why is the shit are open? The, why are the curtains open right now? <laughs> right now. This don't seem right. Okay. I know. So whenever you... Gunshots. Sometimes they result in people dying. Sometimes they don't. If someone does die, you got to double drink. So, <laughs> sorry, guys. So, is that the double sip? That'll be a double sip. Okay. That's that okay. Double, double sip sip. Here, I'll show you. It's like this. <laughs> Just like that. Two, double sip. Two healthy simps. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Hell yeah. But... When there's gunshots, you're like, not all the time does somebody die. And then also there's a lot of like celebratory gun shooting as well, like when they're in Cuba. Oh, that is true. He was just sitting in traffic and saw some some crazy shit. The the whole lineup of people like rebels dying. Oh, my God. And then you're going to take a sip. Mm -hmm. Every single time we go to a court case hearing, when they're having the big court case. Mm. In front of the Senate, senators, the committee. I'm sorry. All I keep thinking about, he's like, uh, yeah, I know his father. Yeah. I was in the olive oil business with his father, but that was a long time ago. That's all. We used to work in the olive oil business <laughs> back in together. the day, but that was like uh, a million years ago. I, like, yeah. I don't know nothing. They brought me here. They said, you know something about the Godfather? I was like, and I kept saying, uh, uh, Michael Corleone did this, and uh, Michael Corleone did that. So I said, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Why not? I lied. I lied about Michael Corleone. <laughs> That's all I ever <laughs> I, I think of that courtroom, that yep. is what I think of, because I'm like, he... You had to fucking backpedal so fucking. He was moonwalking yeah. going backwards. He saw his bro in there and was like, oh, shit. I know. You brought my brother? He came <sighs> all the way here, man. He, he was- must never even leave and you got him to come here. Exactly. Fuck. Exactly. And he didn't so, want to yeah, stay. Yeah, I worked with his dad. <laughs> didn't even want to stay. He was immediately back on a flight. Back didn't even stay for dinner. Two ox cart pulling town he's from. Whatever he's, he might have a be from a rinky dink town, but he sure got your ass clenched tight. Where you saw him, you're like, "Fuck, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna say." <laughs> the guy's it. like, "I don't know what's going on here, but I'm gonna figure this out." <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's like, uh, "Excuse me, who's that sitting next to you, Mister Corleone?" <laughs> like, oh man, he don't even speak English. He's he just here for moral support. 
He doesn't even speak English. He's just there. He's just there looking so concerned at his little brother. Like, what is happening right now? All right. You are going to finish your drink. Finish that drink. When Vito steals the rug. <laughs> let me get let me give you a rug. I got a nice rug for your wife. You, you, you know, you do me a favor, I do a nice favor for you. And he walks in. Vito knew off the bat. He was like, what the fuck? I like, <laughs> he's just standing there and he's like looking at I love when he touched. I love that when he Vito's like playing with his chin, yeah. like, what's going on here? And he's like, come on, help me, Vito. Move this table. <laughs> Move this table. <laughs> and he like r- rolls it up, and then all of a sudden we have the knock on the do do do. Oh, I know. He like hides back a little bit, like hold still with his chin. He's like, what's going on here? Like, why? So good. So good. You're going to finish your drink. Finish that drink. When Kay admits the abortion. <sighs> oh, you just did my favorite scene in this whole fucking movie where she finally tells him how she feels. Oh, God, Michael, you, you sure are blind. Oh, it was an abortion. I know. An abortion, Michael. Just like our marriage is an abortion. Something that's unholy and evil. It was so heart-wrenching and the betrayal is so real. I mean, she doesn't even get her sentence out. She's like, no way you could ever forgive me. Not with this Sicilian thing that's been going on for 2,000 years. This must all end. The no. stupid Sicilian thing that's been going on for 200 years. And- Bam. <laughs> Done. Done. I mean, she was bold. But did you really think you were going to take his kids? You won't take my children! Here's the thing. If she really wanted to amicably leave him, she should never have said that she got an abortion. Although she knew telling him that abortion would honestly make him never want to be with her again. Like that's basic. I mean, she tells him because she she knows that this will ruin their relationship. But what she fails to understand is that he is not ever, he's going to be petty as fuck and never let her ever take those children ever again. I mean, she has to secretly, Connie has to secretly sneak her in to see the kids. Like that's why I picked to be Connie because I would have definitely came home and, you know, did the stuff. And I would have been like, yeah, my brother's acting a goddamn fool if he thinks that I'm not going to let you see your kids when you're not, like, an alcoholic or sexually abusing them or harming exactly. them in any way. I'm going to let you see your kids. We'll yeah. do it on the DL. We ain't got to tell my brother. No. But your kids deserve to see you, and you deserve to see your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why she's like, hurry up. He's pulling in. The gate is opening, bitch. Get out the back door. I know. Get out of here. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. So good. And she's like, Anthony, just one kiss for mama. Ugh. I would have had an abortion too. What? Especially once she, once she knew that it was a boy, she was going to lose him. That's the thing. Once she knew it was a boy, if it was a girl, I think this would have ended different. I don't think she would have aborted the girl. But because she knew it was a boy and she knew that no matter what, because even Michael... In the beginning of them meeting, yep. was like, I'm not a part of this. I'm the third you know, son. This is I'll just, never have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't even want to do it. I'm trying to start my life with you and be honest and be legit. Mm-hmm. And she literally saw from the beginning of that to now on how he has turned into the worst monster you could possibly want to be married to. So I understand her getting rid of it because I wouldn't want to put 
my kid through that. It's bad yeah. enough. Your son's going to probably have to go through it, which he doesn't if you watch part three. But yeah. Which he was very lucky. Mm hmm. See, this is where I always get really like, I don't know, though, because in a fictional world, being a mobster's wife would just be so fucking badass. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. <laughs> like, Thank you. Yeah. Like, that's why a part of me can, yes, sympathize with this character, Kay. But at the same time, regardless of what he said, you're getting into this family. You had to understand what was happening. And you have to, like, just become a boss like everybody else in this family. Like, I don't know why you don't act like the mama that you have to be and like demand and protect your family. She had two choices of the way that she could have gone about being a mobster's wife. Mm -hmm. She could have been like Michael's mom, who she ain't in none of the shit. She just loves the grandbabies and cooks the food and loves and just hugs. And, you know, she makes everything feel like home. Everyone knows her. No one fucks with her. Mm -hmm. Everyone listens to her. You know, you see her in the beginning of this one. Like when Connie comes, she's like, mama, oh, I love you. And she's like, hey, Connie, what, what's up? <laughs> Bringing your ass. Like she, she don't have time for that shit. I love her. I love her. We never heard any shit from her. Even in the be in the beginning of days with Vito, we don't even, she knows that rug is stolen, but she don't care. No, she's just supportive. She's supportive. She's just supportive. And Vito, or, did, like, he gives her a good life. He does. And, and he, he loves sure. her. That's what's always so really beautiful about their relationship is how much they actually do really love and care for each other. Well, I don't think that he ever cheated on her, hit her, he treated her well. Mm -hmm. Michael, I don't think he ever cheated on Kay either. No, he loves and her. And I think this was the only time that he ever hit her mm -hmm. or ever had any attention to lay a hand on her was that moment. Exactly. That, that, it was It was seriously. It's the breaking she looked point scared as fuck. She was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's a, it's a breaking point for their relationship, which you know that she made that decision knowing that he would never forgive her. That's what she wanted. That's exactly what she wanted. It's it's burning that bridge forever. Like she knew that he would never want anything to do with her, but it's so silly to me that she thought that she could keep the children. Like that was never going to happen. That was never going to yeah. happen. But good try. <sighs> so you're going to finish your drink. It's the moment. <sighs> Cheers to that. That's Cheers great. to Kay. Kay, you went out like a boss. I know. And then last... But not least, you are going to finish your drink when Fredo is killed. I had a feeling you were going to say this. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Yes, yeah, so you're going to finish your drink when Fredo is killed on that boat. Poor Fredo. I know. He's so sweet and helpless without I, you. I know. As, as soon as Connie pulls Anthony off of that boat, I'm like, we all know what's about to happen, right? Like, we all know <sighs> Al's in the boat. <laughs> we all know what's I mean, about to happen. I want you to just think back to, like, the first time you watched this. Did you know that was going to happen? Yeah, I kind of had a feeling. You're nothing to me now. You're not a brother. You're not a friend. I don't want to know you or what you do. I don't want to see you at the hotels. I don't want you near my house. When you see our mother, I want to know a day in advance so I won't be there. You understand? Like, I'm dumb afraid of, you know, I don't want to know nothing about you. The only thing I want to know is when you're going to see mama so I don't have to be there. That's it. Exactly. Don't call me for money or nothing. He leaves and he tells his homie. He tells hey, Al. I don't want anything to happen to him while my mother's alive. Nothing. I don't want nothing to happen to her while mama's alive. Yeah. I guess that is the, the 
the the thing. That's but, the I mean, foreshadowing. Because as soon as she dies, and then he conveniently forgives Fredo. It's because of Connie. Connie can make him do anything, pretty much. Yeah. He's probably the... She is the only person that I think that he truly loves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that never really portrays him. And she... Even though she hates him sometimes, she loves him more than anybody. Mm-hmm. So when she comes crying to him, he has to kind of listen. He always, he no matter what, he always listens to her. Yeah. And this go, even goes on to the third one. He's fucking, he still listens to her. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> well, because she's always going to be, she also is really close with the, like, the idea of keeping the family together. Do you have any ones that you would like to add? Yes, just one. Okay. And it's one that I always add when I see a lot. So anytime somebody drinks, but definitely when somebody cheers, because they have a lot of cheers, they do like... A toast? A uh, or whatever it is. Damn it. I'm sorry I'm not a Sicilian. <laughs> What's Chantan? Chantan means a hundred years. It means we should all live happily for a hundred years. The family. It'd be true if my father were alive. It means a uh, hundred years. The girl's like, "What's what's that mean?" And he's like, "For us to live happy for a hundred years, mm-hmm. which would happen if my father was still alive." Oh, Connie, <laughs> Connie. I, okay, but other than that, it's bombastic. All right, so we'll add that in. Take a sip whenever somebody makes a toast or a cheers or drinks. Okay, but that's be liquor. Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then that's it. Then that's it. That's the motherfucking drinking game. game. Yes, yes sir. All right. I did it. You did it. That's Your it. sequel drinking game. I'm done. That's it. Thank you so much for joining us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, girl. I got a lot written down over there. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Are you ready <gasps> for... Oh. The motherfucking stats. The stats, stats, stats. Give me those stats, stats, stats. I want those stats, stats, stats. Stack I got up, some baby. stats, stats. Give me that. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to stack it all up with some stacks. Someone get stats. me some monostat because Mama John is ready. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it. That's the uh. <laughs> I can't believe uh. I've never thought about that one before. <laughs> It just popped into my head. I was like, oh, you know what has stat in it? Monistat. Uh, hold on. Commercial break. Brought to you by Monistat. <laughs> Get Monistat. Get that stat, stat, stat. <laughs> we are not sponsored. We are not this. sponsored by Monistat. But you can be. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Give me those stats. All right. Here's the stats. The Godfather part Two dropped December eighteenth, nineteen seventy four, baby. Woo hoo! A good year, baby. So this is one of our oldest movies that we had on here. I think our very oldest is Mary Poppins, which was like the early sixties. Okay, Um, I loved it for us. So yeah, it's one of our oldest movies, but literally has to be one of the best movies we've ever covered. It is. To me, better than the first one, and I love the fucking first one. Okay, I love it. Yeah. But this one, but this is one's just too a- badass. Yeah, for me to say, and I think it has sparked my love for sequels in general. It mm-hmm. made me see that sequels can be great, <laughs> and this one is absolutely. Um, so the budget for this movie was thirteen million dollars. 
that's just amazing that this film, I mean, $13 million is a lot of money, especially you're about to tell me the difference between that time. I'm sure it's probably like a lot more money, but like for only $13 million, even that's, it's incredible that they were able to pull off this movie. Anyways, I just go 19, ahead. 1974. And they got way more money than they did for the fucking first Godfather. So <laughs> I, we have to do the first one for me to tell you the budget on that one. So mm-hmm. for this one, they did $13 million, translate that into 2021 money, and that would be about $73 million. So that kind of fits. It does. It kind of fits, if that's what the money is buying power was like back then. So it made $88 million, so it made a lot of Ooh, <laughs> money. Baby. Ooh, baby. Yeah, it did. And if you translate that into 2021 money... That is going to be $496 million. That's amazing. That's what this, and that's worldwide, girl. Yeah. Everybody love this fucking movie. Yeah, no, this movie is legendary. Legend. Wait for it because I hope you're not lactose intolerant. A dairy. Dairy. Uh, I love how I met their mother. You I'm sorry. I've been rewatching. Did I tell you I've been rewatching it from the beginning? You did. So okay. 460 million? 496 million dollars worldwide. Dollars. Yeah, that's in 2021 money. Damn. In 74 money, it was 88 million dollars. We're still fucking a lot of money. Still fucking a lot of money. It's still more money than it costs to make the movie if yeah. you translate it into 2021 money. So. It's all great. It's all good. It's all good. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. Are you ready, girl? Yeah, give them to me. Critics, 98%. Critics knows what's up. I feel like they would lose their critic license if they talk shit on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think they'd be like, other critics would be like, don't listen to him. He don't know shit. He thinks Godfather 2 sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's true, though. It's so true. You can't fuck on a couple of film. No way, man. You will lose your license. You would lose How it. How dare you? I would say if, if it was lower than 90, I would have said, you know what? We no longer need to know what Rotten Tomatoes thinks because they don't know shit. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's good. 98. I can agree with that. I totally agree with that. Oh, please don't. I'm, now I'm worried about what the audience is going to say. You ready for the audience? Oh, God. Your look. That look on your face makes me so nervous all of a sudden. Go for it. Give it to me. I'm ready. I'm going to clutch my drink. Go for it. Clutch it. Audience. 97%. So they thought <laughs> it was a little less. Just a little. 1%. I think a, pee, a little pee just came out of me. <laughs> got so you, bitch. Funny. You did get me. I was just like, oh, I got you. fuck now. Okay. And that's called acting, ladies and gentlemen. I convinced her. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Acting. All right. So, what is the ZZ Fresh? ZZ Fresh is 100%. There's nothing that I would ever fucking change about this. This is nothing I would add to it. I don't give a shit. I don't want you to change not one person, Mm -hmm. not the extras, not the set designer, not the cinematographer. Mm -hmm. I don't want the caterers to change nothing. Everything must stay the same. 100% fucking gold. Like I said, this movie kind of 
changed my life. One day when I was like 11 or 12 during summer, I was watching Turner Classic Movies and they did a Godfather marathon. And I happened to like legit catch it at the beginning where they're like talking about how awesome this movie is and all the awards that all of them have won and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I've heard of this movie. Like, you know, I've seen them make fun of it on The Simpsons with a horse's head. Or, you know, people say, I'm making them off or you can't refuse refuse. and all this shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I know a little bit. And I watched it and it literally changed my life. Changed my world. I watched the first two. It... I I want to credit this. I, I would like to credit this to being the reason why I love, like, cinematography. Why I love beautiful movies with great stories. It don't need to be an explosion. Just have great costumes and periods and just make you, like, think and feel. And all the wonderful things that these movies have brought has just, like, stuck with me forever. So I do want to claim this one as being my favorite sequel ever of any sequels of any sequels any movie and it is my favorite godfather even though i am a fan of all three and i know a lot of people don't like the third one but i fucking has one of the greatest crying scenes i've ever seen in my entire fucking life it's in that movie like uh, i watch it right now and it makes me want to cry like (laughs) it's just so so after i watched the second movie my dad came home and was like i was like dad oh my god guess what i watched he's like you know there's a part three too and i'm like are you kidding me I know I didn't get to watch it because I had to, you know, go do some shit. And so I got on my bike and I rode to the Blockbuster and I rented part three because I had to know how this story ended. You had to know. <laughs> I had to know. So that's why I love this movie so much. What is, what's my uh, Lenny Zest? Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't like the Godfather films. And I was really surprised that you wanted to do these movies. And I like it. I do like it. but. It's just really violent for me and there's just, it's unsettling and it makes me like really uncomfortable. The, the family dynamics. You and are it's fucking like, lying. I, I know you're lying to me, motherfucker. <laughs> One, cause if she didn't want to do this goddamn movie, she wouldn't have done this goddamn movie. She'd be like, nope. It's called acting. I don't acting. like it. It's called it, acting. It was good. You got me for a split second. I was looking at you. I was like. Now I know she's lying. I it's know. Too violent, my ass. We I know. Just, Come on. We just. I did, love uh, every Quentin Die Hard. I know. No, I love this movie. I give it a hundred percent as well. <laughs> I would have to agree. I the movie is so beautiful. This movie specifically, like um, amongst the Godfather, is great. The the first Godfather is epic. I would I would epic. use the words epic, but the second is legendary because the way cinematography is done, the way the lighting tells the story and depicts the moments, the rebirth, the exposure, like just the lighting can just make you fall in love with this film. The acting is incredible. The story progression, you get to learn so much more about the characters, especially like the Godfather, the original, like Vito, when you get to see his upbringing and where he comes from and you get to see this beautiful story told by Robert De Niro, like, oh my God. And then you get to see how Michael and what he's become and how he's manifested into the Godfather and, and what he has learned from his own father and seeing the parallels that you get to see of the two characters. It's, it's amazing. How can you, this is the greatest sequel of all time, for sure. Ever made. For fucking Sure. And I mean, we it, it, we can go into the parallels of it. I mean, fun fact, 
a stat for you. This is the first sequel to ever get an Academy Award for Best Picture. So that in itself. There's only been one other. There's only been one other. That was Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King in 2003, which was, that was probably my favorite one of the Lord of the Rings too. So I get that one. It's the only one I owned on DVD, but (laughs) we owned The Godfather on the double tape VHSs, dude. Like, when they would Me have, yeah. <laughs> when you would have Me the intermission too. at the end and you had to change the tape, you're like, someone get the tape, someone get the tape. <laughs> like, that is how I remember, like, this, oh, God. And it just, I, I'm assuming I can speak for your father as well. My father loves this movie. My God does. But the person that I would say who loves this movie is my uncle. Aww. My uncle loves this movie. And cool. it, it seems like it comes on a lot during holidays mm-hmm. when we come over at his house and we just have the TV on and we'll be like, oh shit, Godfather's on. Godfather's <laughs> on, we gotta go. Everybody, yeah, and like, I can totally quote, Uncle Melvin, your birthday is actually gonna come up. By the time this airs, it's gonna be like a week later. But Aww. happy birthday, Unc, I love him. And I told him, I was like, Unc, you doing Godfather too? Like, oh shit, <laughs> oh shit. Like, you know. But there's even the classic reference in the in the movie, which I know that we both love Tom Hanks. Um, and you've got mail. There's the whole conversation. What is it with men and the Godfather? You know, it's like, it's leave the gun, take the cannoli. You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that scene. That's part one. So it's, it's a classic like dude, like film for sure. But like, that's what I love about it is that it has so much family connotism with my father alone and with with everybody like the the father of the family is always just like yeah my family it just builds some kind of like nostalgic especially from a a man like my father who comes he's born of of immigrants so he can recognize and see that you know his grandparents his parents did the struggle as well of coming over and having to go through not speaking english and working to become something in this country in the early 1900s so it's it does ring a lot for like family and it brings a lot of beautiful ties to it emotionally as, as maturing as a young adult and into coming into filmmaking as well, because the, the acting is so phenomenal. I mean, you're talking about Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, like some of their best work ever. Their first movie, them being together, together. but share zero scenes. I know it's just, it's, it's so good. So yeah, Lenny, Lenny Zest. It's going to be a hundred up for sure. I love this movie. I thought you hated it. <laughs> I know. I got you good. Could you imagine? I mean, you tell me that story about how we're never doing that. You have to say immediately admit that you hate a movie because I'm not about <laughs> to have us do a show where some assholes like I hated it. I like hated this movie. <laughs> it's legitly my number one rule of doing this podcast is that we both have to love this movie and whatever guest is on the show has, has to, to love, love this the movie. movie. If you don't, if you're so-so about it, then we don't do the movie because yeah. you're going to be so-so about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about a movie. But yeah. Me for a second, but I was like, this bitch wouldn't do that to me. I would That's never do that rule. to you. Okay. So, oh, I got my library card here. Is the library open? Are you ready to check in to the library? Do you have do you have your members only library card, Miss it's right Zenobia? Here. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You card And carrying. I don't have any books past due, Miss Lenny. None, huh? None. <laughs> Perfect. Because we are going to check into the library because this movie was a book, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's what it's about. 
So yes, this book. Now, I have not read the book. Have you read the book? I have read the book. My father owns it, so I got to skim it. Uh, I know. All right. So yeah. So this book was written by none other than Mario Puzo. He's American born, but he is from immigrants of Ita- Italian immigrants. This book was written in 1969, was on the bestsellers list for 67 weeks and sold 9 million copies in just its first two years of publication. Okay, so I have a question. Ask what? Is, is this all three of them on one book or is there like three books or two books? Good question. So the first book that was ever written was just The Godfather. And Random House did approach Apuzo to write a sequel and he had no intention of doing so. He's like, no, I really don't want to. It's not something that I'm trying to pursue. But he did write another book. It was called The Family, which was published post-humorous after he died. Paramount didn't want anything to do with it for the films because they didn't like the light that it shined upon the Corleone family that they had already been doing. So that would be the other book that he wrote in the series, but that's it. He only wrote The Godfather. The second two books were penned by another individual, which actually this was, it's a really cool story. His name is Weingartner. He wrote the two, the two sequels. It's The Godfather Returns and The Godfather's Revenge. He penned both of those books. And what was really, really cool is that they asked Puzo, hey, would you want to write a sequel? And he's like, no, I don't want to, but I do not have any objection to somebody else writing my book. Like, after I die, if somebody wants to take over the story, if you trust them, they can do it. That is what I was about to say. Like, I've never really heard of, like, a book trilogy or sequels being written by someone else. That's something I never heard of. So that that's pretty unique in itself, right? When did he die? He died in 1999. And the books came out after that? The se- the two afterwards, yes. And I feel like he had to base those on the, the movies then. It's not usually traditional that, that somebody would be just so happy to relinquish their rights. But uh, Mario Puso knew that like this had become so well known that, yeah, they, he was like, he had no, he had no problems with it. What's really, really cool is that a lot of what was written in the first book In this movie, you get to see a lot from the first Godfather because that is where it all hatches. That's where it goes down. That's when he tells his father, listen, this is what we're doing. We're moving the family. We're going to come legitimate. We're getting out of New York and we're going to Vegas, right? And so that's kind of where it picks off for when the Godfather returns. That's when it goes into deep detail about what exactly is going on. And that's how the Godfather part two really picks up and what's going on. What I thought was really, really cool is that Mario Puzo, he assisted with both writings of the screenplay as well as like other production tasks that were going on with the film. So it was really important for him to stay a part of the storyline and keeping it going. Um, as we know, like this one is a lot about like the building of the family, the re- of Vito building up the, his own mafia, of him building up the family's reputation and all the repercussions that come from like him killing Fenucci when he, when he kills Fenucci, like this is like him and the repercussions and what his family have to go through. And then also like from the first one, when they kill Mo Green and that's why we have Hyman coming in and being like, Oh, fuck Michael, you know? Right. So there's a lot of like overplay from the first book into this book as well. He, he also did pull a lot of, 
the idea for the story from the 1957, there were a lot of mob trials going on during that time. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he, they wanted to like really involve that at the same time. Cause it was perfectly matching up with the time frame that it was working with. So there are a couple of differences from the book to the movie. Do you want to hear about them? Oh, please give it to my girl. I will only talk about a couple of them because there, there is enough that we would want to go into like a deep dive detail. But what I always thought was rather interesting is um, in the movie, we see Connie, you know how she like pushes back from Michael because like he was a big reason why her husband was killed. And oh, he was the reason. Why. Yes, I mean, he was the to reason. Be real, the husband is the hu reason why the husband is killed. Because he betrayed the family. And he hit his sister. Yeah. And he killed her brother. So. Mm -hmm. He deserved to go down, but he yeah. did. But Connie has like a lot of animosity towards Michael because of this. But in the book, that doesn't exist at all. And actually, there's no animosity at all towards the two of them. Like Connie stays close to the family and keeps close to the family and like takes care of Michael during that time period. So that's actually not so even. Wait, so does her husband get killed? Yes. That's still a thing. It's still a thing. And but they sat her down and was like, hey, bitch. He had Sonny killed. Yeah. She she <laughs> comes like, all right, well. She comes to the realization herself that like, oh yeah, like he had to die. He was abusive. He was terrible. And it's something that Michael had to do to protect the family and to honor the family. And she just accepts it. As as Connie should. But I understand Connie not understanding. Exactly. Well. See, I think that there there seems to be something parallel because what I'm about to tell you next is is something else as as well. It seems as though there was so much going on with the family and the boys in the books. And there was already so much happening that they didn't have to worry about the female characters getting too much recognition within the books. Like, unfortunately they don't do any of the female characters, any justice in the books themselves. That's why we can give a lot of love to Coppola because he did want to make his female character strong uh, in the film. Like Kay. And he did. Kay. She still recognizes and develops the understanding of Michael's callousness towards their relationship and him not really putting the business into the green, as you will, like make it a legitimate business as fast as she would like it. But she's not she, as rebellious. He said he was going to. Yeah. And he didn't. So but in I the, understand. It made me think of what you once told me. In five years, the Corleone family will be completely legitimate. That was seven years ago. In the book, she's not as rebellious as they make her out to be in the film. Like, her trying to leave the compound. She's like, what? I can't even leave my own home. And she gets, like, upset about it. Like, that's not something in the book. Like, they discuss it, but she's like, okay. And she just goes back. Like, it's not... She's not as rebellious as Diane Keaton plays Kay. So that was something, like, again, like, Coppola, I think, was trying to pull as much as he can from the female characters, especially Connie, which you, I love to see because you get to really see her character even develop more in three, which is, like, really cool. Yeah, um, she's badass in three. She's She'll fucking, fucking kill some people I herself. Know. She don't give a she fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. And that's what's <laughs> so great about, like, I just, I love that part. Another character that, and we already kind of mentioned it earlier on, that doesn't get a lot of focus and a lot of backstory is Fredo and there's a lot to unpack with him in this film and the fact that we don't get to talk about uh, like we don't get to see why does he betray Michael like how does that all go down like where does that come from why is he so weak like he's a Corleone but like he's a weak individual he's not strong and they don't really go into too much detail in the film about it you're kind of just like accept it because it's there and it's it's happening but in the book there's he's such a huge character 
in the the godfather uh, returns it's huge it's he becomes this whole beautiful well-rounded very complex character that just like is torn and ripped apart by his guilt his sexual philandering his alcoholism and his greed basically but then watching this movie and being like oh shit like they really did fr- they really did fredo bad <laughs> Like wrong. Yeah, but okay, so all the things that you said that they show, I feel like they show. You just have to be looking for it, obviously. I mean, like, he drinks all the time. Yep. I mean, he's the one who takes them to the bar and he's like, hey, you know, they got pina coladas and Cuba Libres. And- all right, gentlemen, it's refill time here. You might try some of them local drinks, you know, or Cuba Libra, pina colada. I think I'll try one of the redheaded Yolanda. The redheaded Yolanda. The redheaded Yolanda, (laughs) which I couldn't find. There is a thing called a Yolanda, but it's not called a redheaded Yolanda. Well, that was the singer that was in the club, right? I think that the club just probably named a drink after the singer. Oh, okay. Okay. But then, like, you know, he, even when he's just like, Fredo, where are you going? He's like, I got to get something stronger than this. Yeah. You see him, he's like fucking around with bitches all the time. Even though his wife sucks, she's not that great either. No, she's the worst. Like, she says, I don't even want to repeat the line, but I will let her repeat the line where she says, (laughs) Never marry a wife. They treat their wives like shit. I didn't mean to say what. Oh, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Like, she gets all upset. And like it's pulled off. She was awful. She was terrible, Deanna. She was awful. No. And she gets a bigger part in the book, like, because she's she's actually a Hollywood starlet. And that's okay. And that's how they get involved because he starts doing a lot of dealings in Las Vegas and a lot of Hollywood stars start coming around and they come to his club. And then he meets her and then she starts putting him in like these little films that she knows and like little guest appearances and even oh, gets shit. him his own talk show. It's the Fred Corleone show. And he becomes a talk show host until the moment he dies. Like he's still doing this show, but then they kill Whoa. him. Off. Yeah. He's like fucking Ace Roth. Is that what his name is? Like a casino, Robert De Niro's character. Uh, yeah, they uh-huh. like kicked him out of the fucking casino. Cause they was doing too much. He was like, well, I'm going to be on my own talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's, that's what Fredo does. They, they to took you. it for Fredo. <laughs> that's Fredo, Fredo, bitch. That's yep. hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and then they like they say he has this entire lifestyle of being bisexual and he has a lot of male lovers, which then there's a lot of people that try to like blackmail him and uh expose his his uh his lovers. Which Shit, then like that Fredo gets crazy and starts just like killing people left and right. And like Hagen, Whoa. yeah, Hagen comes in. He's like, dude, you've got to stop doing this. And Hagen gets out of him out of like a lot of legal shit because, of course, that's what he does. <laughs> uh, he's fixes, the family lawyer, dude. Yeah, he fixes everything for them. And he takes care of Fredo and he's trying to get Fredo on the right path. But then it just goes to shit. It just gets, it's it's so weird that the one thing for me that gets him to turn on Michael, it just, it never made any sense to me. In the movie or the book? In the book. Okay. And also in theory, they say it was believed that Roth was trying to get Michael killed so then Fredo could become in charge of the family business, which he knew that he could manipulate Fredo in any way that he wanted because Fredo is weak and he's very, 
he's, he's, he's innocent. I mean, Michael even says, he's like, my brother is innocent. He wouldn't know any better. Like he knew it was him to, at the beginning. I'm sure of it, but he didn't want to admit it. That's why he's like, I was heartbroken. Like that's one of my favorite lines. You broke my heart. Broke my heart, Fredo. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. You broke my, my heart. heart. I know. You fucking kissed somebody who was like, Fredo, I know it was you. I know it was you. I know you told them about me, man. What the hell? I know. And you're a little drunk ass, loose lips ass. And then the worst. Oh, I've never met this guy before. Hey, how you doing? And then as soon as you get a couple drinks and you're like, oh yeah, this brother motherfucker brings me here to some, what is that place? But yeah, they take him, he takes him to a sex show and that's where he admits openly and you see michael put his head down he's like did he just say that like he told me he never yeah, michael, met the guy like, he like dart eyes at him immediately like what the fuck motherfucker? what'd you say what did you just say he's like yeah he knows all about these freaky dinky spots he took me here he dirty he dirty so anyways <sighs> that's poor fredo so what did, what did you want to talk about with fredo okay so Fredo's death, which we just need to just like get it out there. Yeah. Do you think that he should have killed him or not? If you were Michael, would you kill Fredo? No. I think initially, yes, I would have been like, as soon as mama dies, I'm going to fucking kill him. But then once mama died, I probably would have just like kind of got over it. And I don't think I would have killed him. But I would have exiled him from the family and I would have made it so he knows nothing, no business. He knows no I business. Like I said, I think the only reason why he did it was because he didn't want to have to hear Connie constantly asking him to, like, forgive Fredo. Yeah. It would just be easier. It's a grander scene to do it at Mama's funeral in front of everybody. Like, I'm fucking Jesus here. I forgive you for your sins, Fredo. But really, I'm going to kill your ass. Well, I think he definitely does that big sign of, uh, like, accepting the, like, giving forgiveness. So that when he does die, he wouldn't be back on him. He doesn't want the whole family to hate him. He doesn't want it getting out there that he kills his own family. What does he tell everybody? Like, where'd Fredo go? Fredo wouldn't just dip out. He wouldn't leave Connie without talking to her. Well, it's well, he would get killed by a, a rival family, a rival gang, by the like by loyalists to Ross. Maybe. I mean, it comes out that they find out though. Like Anthony finds out immediately. Well, yeah, and part three they talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, did they just dump him in the water? Did they shot him? I'm pretty sure they the just shot him and dumped him in the water. In the I Sierra mean, that Nevadas. Is the, that is the safest place. If you weigh him down, then you always know where he is. And no one's ever going to raid your house until they do. I mean. Are they going <laughs> to sweep on, the lake? Do. I mean, yeah. You never Old know. Tigers like Scarface. Let's feed them to him. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I pers- personally, if this, if this was me, like Lenny speaking to you right now, no, I wouldn't kill my own brother or sister. Like I would never be able to capably do that. If I was a, a Don and someone betrayed me, like the worst part is, is that it happened in his own home. It happened to his wife. Like, and then this man hangs out with your son. Like, like you don't know if he's willing to threaten your family's life again. It's hard to trust him again. And it wouldn't be possible just to completely exile him because you're supposed to keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? He taught me keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Yeah. So he'd have to constantly keep his eye out on Fredo always. And at that's that point, too much. yeah, at that point, he's just like, there's too many I, I just got to get rid of everybody that's taking advantage of me, basically. He just wants to start fresh. 
I mean, he did set him up to get his bedroom shot up where his wife sleeps. In my home! In my bedroom where my wife sleeps! Where my children come and play with their toys. And his kids come to play with their toys. I know. Sefta. You broke my heart, Fredo. You yeah. broke my heart. Well, thank you, Librarian Lillian. Yeah, the last Lillian. I'll say is that... Uh, Mario Puzo, he won uh, not just one, but two Oscars for best adaptation for these scripts uh, for the first mm -hmm. and the second. So he didn't go unnoticed. Coppola was also credited for writing the second one as well with him. So they both actually won that one. But yeah, that's our little Lenny's Literary Library. Check out your books. Read a fucking book. <laughs> Libraries <laughs> closed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Please return all reading materials uh, on the carts, please, and have your final checkout selections ready for scanning. Well, I need to buy The Godfather and get to reading on that. That sounds cool. Yeah, dude. Okay, so are you ready for a little bit of AKA? <gasps> oh, shoot. Let's do it. Okay, you guys. AKA is also known as is the titles for this movie all around the world. So the majority of the titles of this movie is The Godfather Part 2 or Godfather The Godfather 2 or mm -hmm. Godfather 2. Okay. <laughs> so those are just the majority of what everybody is just some one of those. They're not as crazy as some of that I found, but literally almost everybody that's what it is. It's The Godfather Godfather Part 2. Okay, but here we go. So if we went to Croatia it's two, two. So like T-O and the number two. What? Okay. Can I get one ticket to two, two, please? <laughs> I gotta go that two, two. <laughs> Did you hear that two came out with a part two? <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you for that one. That's a good one. Okay. So if we grabbed our Godfather part two cocktails and flew all the way to Egypt, this would be called, this is probably my favorite. The Spiritual Father Part E. <laughs> I don't know what the E is. It's Part E. But I do like the Spiritual Father. I like the Spiritual Father. That's cute. It's just like a breakdown of Godfather. <laughs> you know, my, right? my father taught me. Yeah. I like that. The Spiritual Father. I like that one. But I don't get the Part E. Yeah. That must be a translation issue. These are loosely translated through Google Translate. So... Don't sue me. I don't know. Okay. Hmm. Okay. If we went to Romania. Romania. It would be Nassau 2. I don't know. Some of these translations didn't really translate and it was just some weird. So I thought I'd put them in there. Nassau. You wanted to know about the Nassau 2. I mean, Nassau in Caribbean, but that's in the Bahamas. I don't think there's a Nassau in Cuba, which a majority of the film takes place. I don't know. That one's interesting. I don't get it. That one, that one will make you sip on a, on your drink. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that you're going to like this one. Oh, God. So if we, <laughs> if we head over to Savenia, this movie would translate to Butter to Dell. Okay. Butter to Dell. B-U-T-T-E-R. The number two. And D-E-L. Butter to Dell. <laughs> That's amazing. 
I don't know what the another country had that too, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> this makes no sense. I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, so if we headed on over to Turkey, this would be called babas. I love it, babas, <laughs> babas, babas. That's so B a b a z babas, babas. I like that one. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I'd be like, so... Damn it, turkey. So do you want to do Baba's for sequel month? Honey, I, I picked up Baba's on my on my way home from Blockbuster. <laughs> this, like, seriously sounds like some food. Like, mm, I know. I have some nice, garlicky buttered Baba's. And some so flatbread with some tahini. <laughs> okay. Baba's. Last, last one. If we went to Vietnam, it would be called The Old Father Part 2. <laughs> the old father I think that it's great because it's like a good breakdown mm-hmm. there's nothing older than God and no. Godfather or it's about the old father as in Vito it's his story oh my god so good the old father <laughs> the new father the godfather <laughs> is that what the tagline should be that should be the, that, that should be it <laughs> so um that's so good yeah that's the aka's don't forget butter to dell man butter to dell babas <laughs> the spiritual father part e it's <laughs> <laughs> random it's not even like part b since it is like the sequel yeah like, e. the e <laughs> that's where it really that's where it really belongs we are not making fun of any of this. We are just like a good... No, 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 no. Enjoying it. I'm sure we translate movies into very weird titles as well. No, we just rip it off and make it an American movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> Americans so, hate subtitles. That's so real. I don't know how some people make it through this goddamn movie. Half the movie subtitles. Oh, I love it. I can listen to Robert De Niro speak Italian. Oh, my God. He does a really great job. and He does a really uh, nice Sicilian I'm- dialect. Yeah, I watched this movie so many motherfucking times. I don't even need to read the subtitles. I like legit kind of know Sicily because I'm like, oh yeah, I know what's going on. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Like, I don't even need to read it. Her Sicilian is like top notch. Yeah, but only if it's if they said it in this movie. If it's outside this movie, I've never, I can't. Okay, uh, so love those AKAs. AKAs are <laughs> one of my favorites in the show. So I think that you, my dar, I know that I'm ready to talk about the king of this film. Oh my god. The man who made this movie what it is. The man that made us both love fucking cinema. The man that is the patriarch of the Coppola motherfucking family who is huge of great ass talented people. <laughs> All right. Let's had to build it up because I'm like so excited. Absolutely. Coppola, baby. Oh, my God. Francis Ford Coppola still alive, still killing it. 81 years old, still a bomb producer, um, has an incredible family, has quite a reputation. I mean, five Academy Awards, six Golden Globes, two Palms d'Or. He's he's won a couple of British Academy Film Awards. He is legendary in San Francisco alone. The Zoetrope uh, Academy is right there. Um, yep. You can pass by its building. I would stand out of it sometimes. You like, see me? 
Um, you used to point it out every time we would pass by it. Every single okay. time we would pass by it. Like there is not a, I would, I did stand up comedy, like just a couple of doors down and every single I mean, night. It is a gorgeous building. Though. It's a beautiful building. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Survived the fires of did. San Francisco. It's just, it's, it's a gorgeous building. He is a, a quite a lineage. Uh, Sofia Coppola, obviously. Gia Coppola is his granddaughter. You know, he's related to actors Jason Schwartzman, Nicolas Cage. Um, he's done. I can't s- believe Nikki C is in there. Nikki that's, C. That's the, out of all the names that anyone ever names of the Coppolas, when I hear Nikki C, it just always doesn't feel like he should be in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I, not I mean, that he's I such have a phenomenal. Honestly, he's such a phenomenal actor. Uh, he did kind of steer away from more serious pieces. Like, I loved him in Moon, uh, Moonlight's one of my favorite movies. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a, such an incredible actor in that film. He's comedic as well as dramatic, so, like, you can really appreciate him. But um, you can see the family resemblance, like, the way he takes his acting so seriously. And so we have Coppola. He's done all three of the Godfathers. Oh, yeah. Um, you guys talked about him a little bit in The Outsiders, I'm sure. We sure did. We've only done one of his movies, mm-hmm. The Outsiders. It's one of our, one of my favorite movies. We did it like our first year because it's such a good, such a good book. It's such so a good. good movie. Both of it. Like, mm-hmm. and he did a great job. But yeah, one we of- will definitely do more of his shit. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, The Rainmaker is just off the top of my head, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I would love to do that movie. Um, Danny DeVito, Matt Damon. Can I tell you a movie that I just literally just watched like two weeks ago of his? I've never ever seen it, and I did enjoy it. What is it? Peggy Sue gets married. I love that movie. <laughs> I was really hoping that you would say that. I love that movie. I had never seen it. I had always passed over it, and I've always been like, "What is this?" And I remember watching maybe the first ten minutes, like you know, the at the reunion and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, okay." But I like never really got past that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, one day it just like popped up on my TV, and I was just like, "I'm gonna watch this." Mm-hmm. I know it's a Coppola, so it's gotta be good. And Nikki C is just like this weird Nikki ass C, baby. Yeah, dude. So that Kathleen might be Turner on the list, nails that, was that fun. movie. That movie. she does. Mm-hmm. And also, the, that's just that is like a perfect example of how big Francis Ford Coppola's range is. Here, this man can do like an Italian mobster mystery crime thriller film drama, and then you go do Peggy Sue get get got married, and uh, it's the comedy. Uh, yeah. a, and dramas, a, a, a dramedy, dramedy. They're called dramedy. You're right? like, hey, here's a man who's a fucking apocalypse now. Apocalypse now. Like, I mean, oh my god. And then he, you know, yeah, you're right. He does all the Godfathers, which it just feels like him because that's like his staple. But then he goes on to like, uh, fucking do uh, Jack. Jack. <laughs> love Jack. I yes. love that fucking movie, dude. Robin Williams. I mean, I this fool it. was hired by Disney to work with Steven Spielberg and Michael Jackson to play to direct Captain EO, man. Yep. This is what Classic this man shot. can do anything. Mm-hmm. Now, that movie is quite weird, and it's not his finest work, but it was groundbreaking at the fucking time. Yeah, it was. And what are you going to do with Michael Jackson? <laughs> I know, right? And then yeah. we can't, of course, forget Rom Stoker's Dracula. That he directed. Oh, that's right. Yep. That movie. 
is so good. We have to do that movie for sure. Put that okay, on the so, list. So, so I've never seen his like 1960s things. When he was first starting to go go yeah. about it. Yeah. Go about it. I have to say, uh, I, I, I haven't, I don't think I've ever seen anything before The Godfather, personally. The Godfather is as far back as I go. Yeah. And then I've seen stuff a lot leading up to that. But okay. Um, well, we'll definitely probably do Apocalypse Now and Peggy Sue gets married. And I love me some Jack. Yeah, I love Jack. I would love to see us do Jack. I would love to see us do The Rainmaker. I don't know if you like that movie or not. Um, I have to watch it again. I liked uh, Danny Glover. But a little bit of a fun fact. Give it to me, baby. So after the first film of The Godfather, uh, Coppola didn't want to do the second. They had approached him about it. And he's like, I really don't want to do it. Mainly because there was a specific producer that he didn't really like working with. And he was like, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And he actually suggested to Paramount. He's like, listen, there's this new hot shot. He's an, a natural and I really think that if you're going to have someone direct this movie, that's not me. It's going to be this guy. We, you got to have him. And it was Martin Scorsese. I mean. If anyone could have done it, he could have done it. I mean, yeah. And it would have felt kind of the same. I would feel like, if anything, there might be more violence in it than there is in this. So I. Well, what's really, really beautiful is that Coppola is able to take violence and make it beautiful in a very strange way. Like. The way the, like, I, I know that I've already said this, but the way Vito's mother flies after she gets shot, like, it's gorgeous. I do love that. Oh, it's just like, like, she legit is off her feet, blown, blown away. Blown away, which back then with a gun like that, it would have happened. Like, like, and I mean, it was that real is, close. They were real close. That right there, it's so tragic because you're like, oh my God, this little boy now has to run for his life, for his life. Has to hide in this village. Like people are, he's not safe. And Dude, he just they watched- walk through the street and they're like, anybody has Vito Colio, let him out because he in trouble. And we gonna fuck kill and, you. And Dolio. And Dolio? I know. I can't remember what his real last name is. He changes his name to Colione uh, well, in, because of the city that they're from. Well, yeah, in Ellis Island, a lot of people, when they came over, they saw something and they were like, I mean, because it's the same with my family, because I was a Papa Nicolau. And a lot of Greeks, when they were coming over with a last name, at starting with P, they're not going to, they're like, oh, Papa Nicola, blah, 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 that's a mouthful. You know what? You're a Pappas. And they just would put it on their, their entry, entry papers and be like, you're a Pappas. So like right there, identity gone <laughs> and Americanized, basically. So we are definitely going to talk about Coppola more and more and more, I'm sure. But oh, we're I got definitely- some fun facts on him, though. Oh, yeah. Let's please give me that fun fact. Since we're talking about violence. Something that happened to Coppola is, since we're talking about violence, I know that when I was a child and I watched this movie, I immediately thought there should be more violence in it because it's like the mobster movie, but there's like subtle violence or it's just, it's not as gory and gruesome as what we are used to today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, right? you know, but even for that time, it wasn't the best kind of violence because remember, this is 74, so it's in the midst of like exportation, which we talked about and how all of the things in exportation took everything to the limit with violence and sex. The Godfather didn't necessarily do that. So what happened was the studio sent in a violence coordinator for the movies. And so like, I know this one has to do with the first one, but I just wanted to throw this one in. No, please. Kind of show you what kind of director he is. But yeah. Like, when they called it in, 
they called in the violence coordinator and said, like, he's going to be there tomorrow. He was just like, okay, he'll be there tomorrow. So what he did was he grabbed his nine-year-old son and his sister, who plays Connie, Mm -hmm. and drove them to the set and was like, okay, we need to figure out some violence. I think that it'd be really cool if we had the husband chasing you around the house and throwing the plates down and he's hitting you with the strap. So they like literally redid it with a nine-year-old chasing her around the set with a strap, telling her to pick it up as she's crying and hiding around. And when the violence coordinator came, he showed him what they were going to do. And he was like, like, what's more violence than like beating a pregnant woman? Like, that's pretty violent. That's pretty violent. Yeah. And they kind of like saw it as I'm like, okay, all right, we'll, we'll do that. By the time they got to do part two, he had free license to do a lot of things because they allowed him to be the artist that he is. He didn't want to do this one. And the only way that they would let him, the only way he would sign on to do this movie is if they've let him have pretty much a hundred percent control over like pretty much everything, the script, the directing, he didn't want them touching it. No. He also wanted to be able to do a production at the San Francisco opera of the movie where they could play it and have like an orchestra play the music, which I think is pretty cool. And he also wanted to be able to write the Great Gatsby script. It came out in the late 70s. I can't remember. Like the original with Robert Redford. Yeah. So the original Robert Redford Great Gatsby was written by Coppola and that was part of his condition to even do part two. And they wanted him so bad. They were like, girl, if you said you wanted the Statue of Liberty, we got you, girl. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't We're matter. It for you. Well, because it was so, already even, like, greenlit. As soon as they, uh, when they finished making the first one and they were already seeing clips and, and videos for it, they're like, we're doing a second. Like, they already knew it was happening. Another thing about uh, Coppola, which I think is such a great director, is that he is willing to listen to the audience when something doesn't work. So the first time they screened part two, they screened it for a San Francisco audience and they came out saying, hey girl, um, movie's great, but it's too much back and forth between Michael's life and Vito's life that it's like kind of confusing and like, it's not that great. Yeah. So him hearing this days after was just like, you know what? We got to cut it. And so they made it so that there was less cuts between both of the stories. Because you got to think of this, you guys. This is not only a sequel, but it's a prequel all in one. It yeah. It tells what prior happens to before part one, and it shows what happens after part one. All in one movie. So going back and forth, it's just too much. So they cut down those, and they made it so that each story would kind of tell tell its story out a little more before you would cut into the other one. Instead of being like so much back and forth. Which I always thought was such was such brilliantly done the way they did it. Yeah. But I never even, I didn't know this until this week about that, but like, I always thought like the way that he weaves the, both of the stories together is so seamless and just smooth, mm-hmm. but that's not how it, the first cut was. Mm-mm. It's crazy. What's funny is that I love that you made a reference to the fact that he wrote the script to the great Gatsby because like he is on record saying, he's like, I don't even think they actually use my script though. <laughs> mm. yeah like i don't wow. think that that script was actually made into the movie that he wrote but i mean i guess that's a he said Does they he said still get credited is his name still down for the script i don't know exactly i think so i think they Whatever, still just as long as that fool got a check 
Yeah, and still gets the cred. Unless the movie sucks. I never watched the original. I, I The only thing I would say, and I think I've already said it, like, that's what I love about his death scenes and, like, the whole violence of it. It's beautiful. It's He makes it so artistic and, like, a song. It's beautiful. I, I just, I think it's gorgeous. So, that man really knows how to make a great film. I mean... I know this is part one, but Sonny's death scene is like, babes, <gasps> man. Ugh. He goes all badass, like Scarface style. Yeah, he man. does. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking training day. Like, he does. I'm still alive in your puppy bullets and me. Like, fuck. And yeah. we have to do a, a Sofia Coppola film because she's one of my favorite directors. Are we about to get lost in some translation? Girl? Oh my God, girl. I do like that movie. You know how I feel about Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Okay. So, um, Coppola, this is not your first time on the show, and it definitely ain't going to be your last. Never. And that's any Coppola, all, all of them. And uh, we will uh, come we'll back see to them it. later. Yep. All right. So, do you want a fun fact? Yeah, give me a fun fact. Give me that fun fact. You know the scene. Okay, so this is like a two-parter. I'm going to give you the two-parter. Two-parter fun fact. Fun fact number one. Okay. So you know the scene where Vito Colleone, a.k.a. Robert De Niro, is standing out on the street and he's talking to the landlord, right, about letting the lady stay mm-hmm. and, you know, letting the dog stay and he was going to pay extra for the rent. And the guy's like, let the dog stay? Uh-uh. Oh, hell no. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to do this. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. I do not speak Italian. But he, that is... This is what he's like saying and he's just like look just trust me and as he's talking to him he gets interrupted by somebody who walks by and they're like hey Vito what's up yeah and they like keep rolling now this was improv this was not scripted this was done fully by an extra who just kind of wanted to like add a little something to their scene and like the pro that he is Robert De Niro didn't skip a beat and he's just like hey and continues on speaking to him mm-hmm. and Coppola is like cut Cut, 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 cut. What is that? I don't like that. He's interrupting you while you're talking, blah, blah, blah. And Robert De Niro's like, no, man, that actually is really good because it just shows how the neighborhood respects him. Yeah. How everybody knows and respects him because he goes, the very last line that he says to him, he's like, ask about me. Ask your friends about me and they'll tell you that I'm a good guy and that you need to just do business with me. And so Coppola's like, oh, you're right. You are so right. That's true. And I always love that scene because I always thought that that did always show that people that he was not just like some dude no one knew or some dude that people were scared of Mm -hmm. because the other Don, that dude walked around in all white with a fucking cape and everyone was like scared when he came by like, oh, shit. Yeah, they didn't like him. They didn't like him. But Vito, he's chill. The homie on the block is like, what's up, Vito? What's up, Vito? rubbing my mama out. And like, you know, <laughs> whatever. And it works. And so that was saved. So that was done by an extra. Uh-huh. Which is a coach. I, I, I love that. That is so Robert De Niro, though, too. To be like, no, man, we got to play with it. We got to have a little fun. Like, this this builds on it. I could just see him being like, Coppola, Coppola, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and he's still there with his, like, Italian accent. You know, he's like, like oh. <laughs> Ask your people about me. And if you do this for me, I won't forget. That's my yeah. favorite, where he, like, puts his finger, his, his finger to his temple. And he's like, I won't forget. Nope. And I will come back and help you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second part to that same fun fact is... So when the guy comes back after he asked everybody around the neighborhood oh. who the fuck Vito was, 
He's tripping over himself trying to get into the building. Like, oh, shit. Oh, oh. He can't open the door. They're laughing at him. Like, Look at this fool. Let me open the door. So that also was improv. Get out of here. One, but that one was done by Coppola. So he rigged the door to be locked if you shoved a nail in through the key slot. Okay. So what he did is he did that. Now, the reason why he did this is because the actor who plays him is a famous Italian actor. Oh, shit. Let me look his name up. Uh, it's a famous Italian actor. And he's like known for being a comedic actor huh. on top of that. So he wanted to kind of see him like do a little bit of like slapstick kind of thing. To see what he would improv. And I think that the way he did it was just, Leopoldo Tresesti? Yes. Leopoldo Tresesti was like known for being an Italian. Like, I, I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know, who know this. this. Guy was I really his. didn't know that they made that's fun. So he did it. He's just like, let's, well, let's just see what he does. Let's see what he does. <laughs> and so he does it. And that's why he's like trying to open the door. And he's just like, oh, man, <laughs> through the window and shit. <laughs> like, he's, he's legit trying to, like, figure out, like, the what the poor, fuck? The poor guy's trying to paint olive oil on the on the window. And every on single the time window. He, does, he looks at it and he's like, like, God. Like, that see? is perfect. It is like, so perfect. so good. Mm -hmm. and, and it is funny in, like, a very, like, great way. Because this movie does not have many things to giggle about. But this one definitely is. Yeah, that's a so, good yeah. one. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. So next time you watch that scene, watch it because it is pretty funny. Yeah, I'll enjoy to watch it again because I thought that it was always so scripted, but it's so natural and it's beautiful. Yeah. And then it's so that's funny too, the intimidation of like, you know what? $5 off the red now. $5 off the red. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to like pay my shit. But yeah. Like, remember. <laughs> well, can I give you a bit of a fun fact? Yeah. Speaking of Robert... Uh, De Niro in that scene I thought this was really cool that Robert De Niro had actually auditioned to play the role of Sonny in the first Godfather film and he didn't get it obviously because we got beautiful James Can which like come on he's amazing can I ask you a question yeah did you see De Niro's audition tape I did I watched it oh he was scary it was not Sunny, where Sunny is like scary but like playful, like jackass, like yeah, ah, this guy. He's like a wise guy. But yeah, like, he took Robert De Niro played him like he was like in taxi, like a exactly. psycho. That's I think where the mindset was at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he thought that it was supposed to be some kind of like dirty, not dirty, but like hard gangster. And it was definitely not the Sunny character for sure. But I love James. So it's totally fine. But then he came I, back. He came back as Vito and he fucking nailed it. Initially, when they cast the people, Coppola came up with the people that he wanted for the Colleone family off the bat. Even yeah. Tom Hagens is already, he did some test shots with the boys at his house. Like his wife was like there and like helping him slicking their hair back and shit. Awesome. So he had a really good relationship with these gentlemen and he kept filtering them in there when it was came to casting because he wanted them no matter what. Al Pacino's going to be in the dailies for whoever auditioned that day. <laughs> like, yeah. But in this movie, they brought back James Caan to play Sonny in the flashback scene at the very, very end of the movie where, you know, Michael finally tells Sonny he's joining the army and mm -hmm. they're there for Pop's surprise party. And 
James Khan is like, look, if you want me back for that scene, I want to get paid exactly what I got paid in the first Godfather when you had like 20 something days worth of shooting all the goddamn time and you sitting here with like a one, two day or, and I got to pay you the same amount. And you know what? They sure did because mm-hmm. <laughs> they gave a couple of our really good friends. Plus, uh, James Conn was getting more famous around that time, especially yeah. after doing the first one. That like that's that everybody's like stock prices up. Well, what's funny in that you bring that up is that there was a lot of problems with one of the producers. I don't want to name names because I'm trying to still be in the industry, so I'm like not trying to blow myself up. But there were a lot of issues with a producer from the first Godfather that he actually cut 45 minutes worth of screen time that James Conn had. Yeah, so we were actually supposed to have so much more of Sonny in the first film, but they cut 45 minutes worth of screen. And he got pissed at the movie premiere. James was yelling at this producer like, wow, did you just want to cut me out of the film, asshole? Like screaming at him. It was a huge deal back then. And it is because Sonny is such a key point in that movie exactly. because it's like, can Sonny take over being the head of the family? He is a hothead, but like sometimes he does the right thing and sometimes mm-hmm. he don't do the right thing. Like I would have loved to see way more of him. I mean, ever the rest of my life, James Conn's name is Sonny. I'm always constantly be like, there's fucking Sonny again. There's Sonny, no baby. It don't matter what we watch, like, that's what it is. And to know that there, is there a director's cut? Where's those 40 minutes? I mean, I already sat for, like, eight hours. Let me sit for eight hours and 45 minutes. I know. I mean, a lot of, that that was one of his, that's one of Coppola's biggest concerns and uh, talked about in this in these films is that until he got final cut and final editing approval in the second one, he felt like the first film was kind of out of his hands. That's why it was. he was constantly about to be fired. <laughs> yeah. So that's why the second one, when he came back, he's like, no, then if we're doing this, you need to give me this, this, and this. And I mean, we already talked about that, but uh, I believe that if you, there are director cuts now available I don't know if we're ever going to get back those 45 minutes for sure. Can I get like 23? Can I get like 23? So I can so see James being like, no, give me, give me the same amount of money that you were willing to pay me in the first film for this next film. Even though I'm in only five minutes, I gave you so much work the first one that yeah, I deserve the same exact pay, which he did. I like love, it's one of my favorite lines. He's like, did you go to college to get stupid? You're really stupid. Did you go to college to get stupid? Look at Joe Collins over here. He's yes, stupid. I know. Even when even when everyone walks out the room, the last thing he says to him is just like stupid. Stupid. Like, <laughs> like fuck, man. I know. I know. What's the difference between like killing someone and fighting for my country and killing and fighting for my like family? At least yeah. it's not illegal to do it for the country. Your like, country's not your family. Boom. It's not. That's what he says. And you're like, oh, it's true, though. It's not. It's not. But uh, he don't care about his family. He will he would have killed Sonny if he would have did some stupid shit. It's true. Sonny would never have turned his back on his family, though. Sonny would have never talk, done anything to hurt Michael. No. That's, like, the hardest part is that when you lose a brother that would have done anything for you. That's, like, and then you've got this asshole of a brother that's going to turn it, like, turn on you in, like, a heartbeat just because he wants something. And someone else okay. is willing to give it to him. I know. So do you want to move on to an actor or do you want a fun fact? Sure. Let's go. On, let's move on to an actor. I feel like we haven't talked about any of these beautiful people yet. All right. Let's talk about Al. 
Alpacino. This is our very first Alpacino movie. Booty sweat. I mean, sorry. <laughs> Wrong Alpacino. <laughs> All right. Well, Alpacino, which jokingly wonderful, he used to go by Sonny as to his friends when he was a kid, which I always thought was really funny. What I really like, and I, I feel like. Again, we haven't talked about Al Pacino at all on this show, which is crazy, but especially in this film, it's so important to discuss the fact that a huge part of Al Pacino's acting career belongs to crediting Lee Strasberg, which is amazing because we get to see these two act in this film together. And yeah. Al Pacino is the reason why we have Lee Strasberg in this film, because he contacted me. And he's like, you've got to come out of retirement and do this film with me. So we can talk a little bit about both of them. But I mean, Al Pacino is one of one of the best actors of his time and still living. He's the same age as Coppola, young actor from New York. He's of Italian descent, which is pretty cool. I, I mean, just think it's so funny. We know Al Pacino now. We're millennials you know he's been old our entire motherfucking life and we've just been watching him get older and older mm -hmm. watch the irish man and you're like damn al pacino when the fuck did you get like a million <laughs> years old he did a great job but like old as fuck then you put on this and you just like oh my god look at this fresh-faced baby like, i know fresh-faced baby he does some of his best acting in this movie this his career in general, kind of the base of his career is on these three movies. Like, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, my favorite scene with him is other than the one with him and Kay where he fucking slaps that bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> I am not, I am not for like domestic violence. No, of course not. But I understand why he had to slap that hoe. Like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Just <laughs> once. But um, the scene where he like sits down and talks to Fredo and he's like, I know it was you and what happened i'm not mad just tell uh, me what happened. i'm not mad i'm not mad you know how your parents say that to you i'm when disappointed you were a kid. Like, i'm not mad no you could tell me anything i'm not mad and then as soon as you tell them they're like how could you do that that's it you're grounded uh, like, it's exactly what like michael does he's just like tell me like who came to you and like why yeah and what'd you tell him what'd you tell him how much how much were you involved and it's just like such a beautiful scene because you see Fredo just like slumped down in the chair and like he's barely lifting his head to like talk to him. You can tell he's sauced. But Michael's just sitting there like, tell me what's up. All right, yeah. well, you're no longer my brother. I got two dead brothers now. Like, I only have one brother and his name is Tom. But Michael, uh, he's a crafty character. He is. He's a lot like his father in the sense that he's quiet. Mm-hmm. Can't say much. <laughs> no. Constantly always contemplating. That's what I really liked it. I what I thought was so cool, and it's it's something that I had never fully registered until we were talking about finding drinks to do for the show, right? Yeah. And I'm looking and I'm watching Michael and I'm like, what is he drinking? What is he doing? And I noticed he drinks water. He does. Now, he doesn't drink. He, I mean, not that he doesn't ever drink. No, because he does drink at the very end. He has a couple of glasses of wine when he says that he joined the Marines. And he's sitting there when they're all greeting and singing happy birthday to Vito, who's not on screen. He's sitting there and he's chugging the wine. Now, it's funny because they say a lot of it attributes to the fact that he's a diabetic. So he doesn't drink a lot because of the sugars. And it's, it's uncomfortable for him. Character Michael Corleone is diabetic. Where is that in the book? No, it's in the movie. He, that's how he has the stroke at, in in Godfather 3. Yeah, but I figure he, like, got that. Okay, 
All right. I just figured that was like, you know, you get older, you, you get diabetes. That happens. Yeah. I mean, you can have adult offset diabetes for sure, but I, I believe that he has diabetes from a young age. Like that's the character that he plays. I, I do believe that they talk about it in the book that he has diabetes, but also it's one of my favorite lines from the first Godfather is when he says, uh, when Vito, he goes, I like to drink wine more than I used to. And it's because you realize then that like, as Don of the family, he has to be alert. He has to be focused. Yeah. He has to be ready for anything. So he can't be drunk. He can't be drinking. And that's Michael. Michael yeah. learns that. He learns so much from his father that there you get to see him, this character. He's constantly observing. He's constantly watching. Like he makes sure he catches everything. So no, he can't be drinking. He can't be getting fucked up all the time. And that's like that's th- true because when he takes Fredo out and he's just like, how do you order a banana daiquiri? And he's like, Banana, banana daiquiri. daiquiri. And he's like, okay, uh, uno banana daiquiri. And he goes, uh, club soda. Club soda. Yeah. For, for Michael. Yeah. He does not really drink. And I, that does make sense because he can't because he has to be on alert all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of mobsters that weren't like that. And like Al Capone would like get drunk and tear it back and it like didn't matter. But yeah. like smart ones like that, it's something that like, you're right. Vito mm-hmm. could do it when he got older because he was really letting his sons kind of do the shit. He was just doing, going down for the sit downs for the most part, but like nobody's out for his ass. Yo, like, yeah. And I believe that he was, he was fair. He didn't really leave loose ends. I don't feel like he, the people he killed, he killed because he had to, and he went about it the right way so that people, most people can't really be mad at him. Not that, you know, he wasn't trying to be, people weren't trying to take him out because they were, because he wasn't agreeing with the rest of the family we were saying, but mm-hmm. He seemed like a good guy. Now, Michael, on the other hand, everybody and their mama should have a reason to kill that motherfucker. And that makes sense. Like, he can't drink. <laughs> I wouldn't even trust anyone to make my own, like, make give me a drink. That's true. I you wouldn't even be able to. Man. That man has got to watch it. But I remember watching Al Pacino uh, in Dick Tracy. Do you remember? Do that big boy? He's like. He's that scary ass dude with the makeup. Yeah, like, dude. He's like the original crime boss. Out. Like, no joke. Whatever. That movie almost killed like comic book movies. Just want to throw that one out there. <laughs> I loved it, Tracy. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hey. I seen it. All right. So let's talk about this guy filmography because we got obviously Godfather has to be his first number one fucking big ass thing, which would make it one, two, three, his fourth movie. And then Serpico. So it's crazy. Then we got Serpico, which is a big one. Dog Day Afternoon. Um, then we got, yeah, after right after doing Godfather. Which you get him, back, John yeah, him and Fredo. Yeah, like, they are so good together. Are back together for Dog Day Afternoon, which I would kind of like to do. I love that um, movie. It's... I, I am seriously thinking of us doing a true crime month, and that would totally work Ooh, that would be a Because that's good based one. on a true story. It is. So, Yeah. Keep that on the keep that on the list, girl. I like that. But we can't forget him coming up into the eighties with the ultimate gangsta movie, Scarface. Now, boom. How do you feel about Scarface? Can it be on a list? Absolutely. All right. Diabolical, scary ass beast. Like you like, think Michael is terrifying? I mean, I still would like to see. I would like to see Michael go up against Scarface. Right? 
Yeah. Like, Michael Colion and Tony Montana are like going up against each other. I definitely think that Tony would die because he's a hothead and a drug addict. And a but, drug addict. But he might get lucky and take Michael out. It's just a fucking great. I think it'd be hilarious. I'd be down. I love Scarface. I love Scarface. Uh, I love him and Frankie woman. and Johnny. Oh. Frankie and Johnny. I've never seen that one. <gasps> with Michelle Pfeiffer. Him and Pfeiffer together again? He's an ex-con that falls in love with a waitress at a coffee shop. It's based on a play. Oh, it's so good. You have to, oh my God, it's so good. It's funny. It's so, it's so good. Okay. I love Frankie and Johnny. It's like one of my favorite little romantics. It's it's so romantic. I will have to watch that one. But I do like Scent of a Woman. I think that's great. Scent of a Woman is really good. But, like, one of my all-time favorites of his that we definitely need to have on here, and it also brings back uh, his daddy, Vito Corleone. Heat, girl! Girl, Heat. Yeah. The next movie where they only share, like, half a scene together? Like, fuck, man. We had to wait till the 2000s to get this bitch together. Fuck yeah, we gotta watch Heat. Dude, Val Kilmer's in that movie. Yo. He also is in... And he getting Sunday, which is one oh, of my favorite I love that movie. football movies of all time. Oh. And he getting Sunday. He reminds me of a coach that I had for so long that I love. He's just a screaming ass, hot mess who that movie we gotta gets do. the best out of you. Oh. Like, I love any getting Sunday. It's one of my faves. And we definitely uh we're gonna do that one. Yeah, it's, we gotta do I that. I always one. thought that was gonna be his first movie on here, to be real with you. But surprise. It's the Gatha. He honestly has made some very interesting choices in his um young his later years for sure. I mean, there's Geely, there's Jack and Jill with Adam Sandler. But then he comes out and he does something like Angels in America, where you're like, "Damn, you! I forgot you're fucking good at your uh, your craft." So good. Yeah, two for the money. That was a good one. Once upon a time in Hollywood, he came out. He was in Ocean's 13. Yes, he does play the really epic bang. bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I do like him in that movie because he was like a shitty bad guy. And I love where they were like, you shook Sinatra's hand. I you should have known better. Like, you're a man of Vegas. Yeah. You shook Sinatra's hand. And like, he's just like, they're all upset about it. So uh, good. But then we got Righteous Kill, where we finally get a real-ass movie between Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, something we've a million years been waiting. And I thought that was a pretty good movie. I remember going on a date to go see that one. Oh, cute. It was good like date my first movie. date. I remember being like, what, what movie do you want to see? And I was like, Righteous Kill. And he was like, <laughs> Why? And I was like, because I love Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, and they're in a movie together, together. in the same screen together. Like, talking to each other, not, like, passing in the night. Two yeah. ships passing in the night in a movie. And I remember going to see it, and I fucking, yeah, I loved it. <sighs> yeah, he did do, Jack and Jill is probably the worst thing that he ever got his hands on. I know people hate Geely, but that movie, Jack and Jill, was awful. That's even the worst Adam Sandler movie, and I love me some Adam Sandler. I love Adam <laughs> Sandler more than anything. Seriously, I love she does. Adam Sandler. That movie was so fucking weird garbage uh he played phil specter this dude has done like a kajillion of a billion if you don't know who he is i don't know what to tell you uh, he has a small cameo in once upon a time in hollywood with my, with my boo boo quentin tarantino and brad pitt and leo and fucking 
Harlequin. Fuck, what's her name? Maggie Robbie. Margot Robbie. Marco Robbie. Harlequin, you know who I was talking about. You got anything fun about Al, or can we move on? Let's move on. on. We got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. Al Pacino, you are the shit. I did hear that he was like a prima donna on this set, and we kind of yelled some shit. Yeah. Serpico! Um, Serpico, because it took... It took 104 days to make this movie, yeah. which I don't even think it's that long for as long as this goddamn movie is and how brilliant this movie is. You could have said 204 days and I'd be like, that sounds right. Uh, <laughs> but I, I understand when like, hey, you're cutting into me being able to do another project. And yeah. It. I get that. But yeah, he, he wasn't quite happy on this one. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the real star of the movie? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so... I fell into a big asshole, and I'm about to show you how I got out of it. Here we go. Okay. The real star of this movie is Michael Corleone's house. That thing is gorgeous, y'all. This is what we we talking about real estate <laughs> here today. So this house is located in Lake Tahoe. So it's not in the East Coast or wherever you thought. I always thought it was like somewhere off in Jersey somewhere because. They're more of a New York family. Or maybe it could have been off somewhere in Nevada, but it, I didn't feel like it was too great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I thought. Do you know where you thought this? Where is this house supposed to be? Sierra it's Nevada's. It's. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's just like it would be just south of Tahoe. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't know where it, it was. Anyway, it is in Lake Tahoe. It's called Flor de Luca. I'm sorry, I'm not French, but translate that. That means flower of the lake. And it was built in 1935 by Henry Kaiser. The famous Kaiser who is known as the godfather of modern American shipbuilding. Mm -hmm. It's not the godfather, it's the father, but I thought it'd be funny. That's cute. Good play, good play. (laughs) Uh, Modern shipping. Uh, He also is... Probably the godfather of modern day healthcare by starting Kaiser Permanente, where my mom worked for 40 years. But this is where the property came from. So in 1935, Henry Kaiser was celebrating finishing his Hoover Dam project and he bought 15 acre estate in Tahoe, right? Wow. And in this estate, he had 17 residents, a service quarters, a yacht club, boathouse, and a bunch of cabanas around the, the property. Wow. Right? He built all of this in 30 days. My God. <laughs> this would not be legal by today's measure, but what he did is that he hired 300 crew workers, had them rotating eight-hour shifts for 24-7, <laughs> and had them building all this shit. So once he got it done, he would throw these huge lavish parties and have everybody come to the yacht club because he would park his yacht. Nice. And he would have boat races, like shore boat races. So people would come out and stand on the shore and bring their boats and race. And like, that's like what he was like known for, like throwing big ass lavish shit. But in the 1960s, which I believe he died in the 60s, but um, they end up selling the property. 
and they <laughs> sold it. And whoever owned the property in 1974 got to have it premiered in The Godfather. So yes. some of the scenes that we see in The Godfather of it would be like the big party that's out front. That's on the property. Um, when we see them outside of the house, that's on the property. I believe the scene where they're in the boathouse or in uh, Fredo and Michael are talking about, you know, who... I know it was you, but who else helped you? Yeah. Um, that's um, in, like, I believe their boathouse on, on the property. Um, but just those kind of shots are done. I don't believe the house is shot there, but I could be wrong. From what I hear, it's just kind of the outside stuff. Okay. Um, but in the 1980s, someone bought it and turned it into 22 luxury units. And the houses went up for sale. So people built these luxury, like houses 22 of them and wow they get and now it's the state has residents on it like legit residents but the one that was built for the developer himself is officially up for sale and this is the first time that anything in this neighborhood has gone up for sale in like 30 years especially this house things this neighborhood people have it and they have it forever they Hmm. don't (laughs) let other people in so as of 2020 when it first went on the market and as of March in 2021, it's still on the market. So you could buy this estate for $5.5 million. Whoa. Um, what you, what you get in your luxury house, you get to, you're buying the house, but also with that, you would get a boating slot. So you'd have a place to park your boat. You would be officially get to be a member of the historic Henry Kaiser Yacht Club Ooh. that is still around. You would get access to the boathouse that's still around. You also get access to a private beach, a heated pool, a spa that is good for any season, Ooh. two tennis courts, an executive center, and a clubhouse. So... With all of these, you also get security at the gate to keep nosy people like us out of there from trying to drive by and look at your house that's on the property where Godfather is. You'd have security be like, I'm calling cops if you don't get out of here in 10 minutes. Yeah, of course. (laughs) You get all that for $5.5 million. Now, I would suggest definitely go look at the pictures. This house is gorgeous. It's like four bedrooms, five baths. It has beautiful ceilings. These windows are gorgeous. You can look out over the lake and see the mountain ridge right behind it and you get all of those fancy things so i wish i had money to buy it because one like i said this is one of my favorite movies and this is the house and the house that is up for sale would be in the section of where fredo dies so you're on that part of the lake the closest house to the lake So if you really wanted to get your Godfather feel on in this community, this is the house for it. Wow. So yeah, that's a little fun fact on the real star. The real star of the show. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah. You know how to do it. I kind of was waiting for it, but I like it. That always surprises me a little bit for the real star of the show. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally had an Al Pacino fun fact. Can I give it to you? Throw it in. So when Al Pacino first got the script for this movie, he didn't like it. Thought it sucked. He didn't like the way Michael was portrayed. So he sent his lawyers to talk to Coppola and was like, hey, girl, uh, my client is not happy with the script and basically doesn't want to come back. So you might have to find somebody else to play him because he doesn't like the script. And Coppola was like, dude, I can't lose him. Because if I lose him, like this movie, will, it will never make it if you lose him because no, he is Michael. Be somebody, he is Michael. I can't have nobody else play him. Yeah. So in one night, he went back and 
fixed the problems, I guess, that Al Pacino had with the script. It's amazing. Sent it back to him, and he was like, okay, I'm on. Thank you. <laughs> we kind of have to thank Al Pacino for uh, scoping the script the way that we see it today. Classic. Thank you, Coppola. Thank you. Thank you. Adapting. I mean... There's a lot of actors in this. And if we're going to, if we're going to do a lot more of, if we're going to do the Godfather, then I'm fine with uh, not going too much into detail of all the other actors. I do want to make mention of Lee Strasberg because we only got to touch base on him just a little bit. Um, Yes. He is like the father of method acting. Obviously, we know that. Mm -hmm. He came out of retirement for this film. As I mentioned, Uh, Al Pacino called him directly and was like, you got to come back. You got to do this. He said, okay, yeah, for sure. Like, I would love to. What I really super duper love is that because he's a method actor, like he had to pull any kind of inspiration that he had for this character. So he pulled one of a, a great mobster. I mean, not great great but uh a mobster uh, the meyer Lenksky, who is a mobster mm-hmm. in miami and what's really cool is that he watched lee strasberg do this character and immediately called him after he saw it and he's just like you couldn't make me more sympathetic a uh, more sympathetic character which i thought was rather funny to to have a mobster call yeah. you and be like he said the, the stupidest thing like now you couldn't make me more sympathetic I'm a grandfather, you know, like, yeah, you're a grandfather, but you also kill a bunch of people. Yeah. You are not a great person. So I played you. I I played you. Yeah. Not, not, yeah, not sympathetic whatsoever. (laughs) He is a great enemy for Michael because you're not quite sure how Michael's going to take him, you know, even like every interaction, he's kind of filling him out seeing where he is he's always kissing his butt there's so much i can learn from you mr roth i know what the fuck yeah he's like this motherfucker trying to have me killed exactly which it's so funny to me that michael was even willing to enter into some kind of bargain or deal with hyman roth when he knew what he had done to make this man upset like so it was kind of ballsy for michael to even go with him with a proposition to do business who proposition to we never really find out in the film but it's definitely interesting to see their push and pull as characters because they seem like they have this like father-son arrangement especially michael feeds into it and they seem to have very in-depth conversations regarding life and cruelty and what's right and what's honorable Um, i mean yeah because when they have that conversation like who tried to kill him? Because I know I didn't say I tried to kill him. And he's like, I don't ask questions. When my friends showed up dead. Someone put a bullet through his eye. No one knows who gave the order. When I heard it, wasn't angry. I knew Mo. I knew he was headstrong, talking loud, saying stupid things. So when he turned up dead, I had let it go. And I said to myself, this is the business we've chosen. Yeah. I just dealt with it and moved on. And you're listening to this and you're like, you wonder, but you kind of know, like, does he know that the people who killed all of his friends is mm-hmm. Michael Corleone? Is that why you're getting back at him? Because he wiped out everybody else except you? Yep. <laughs> or... Are you just saying, like, it is what it is, and I know you did it, and I don't care? Like, it's just always, like, 
he plays it so well. He if does. you don't know the, the ending of how this is going to end and it's your first time watching it, you're like, oh, you playing it pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. is he really a good guy or a bad guy? Okay, so Lee got sick while he was filming this. Mm-hmm. And when he got sick, he kind of was like, I don't think I can do this. I'm not really feeling up to it. And so Coppola's like, look, dude, I, I can't lose you. Yeah. I can't lose you, Lee. You're the best. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make Roth like an old sickly man. And so you don't even have to move or learn no blocking. All you got to do is lay here yep. with your shirt open and a compress on your head and just say some lines. Can you do that? Yep. Like, and you can only do, we'll do like one, two takes and you're done. Like you're so, both of you guys are so good. We could get this done in like one, two takes. Let's do this. Exactly. And so that's kind of how we get that character, which gives Michael the upper hand because Roth is worried about surviving. Yeah, he's just trying to survive, which like it's so funny to me that here's this man who's about to die. And he's like, he has no limits then. it's You realize he's a man with a dying wish and this dying wish is to take Michael down. And it's even revenge. though he can't do it, he can't succeed. He does give Michael a fair fight. He does, he does really try to to destroy Michael, which in a way, and a lot of people contribute that what happens afterwards in Godfather 3, Michael does get hurt in this movie big time. Like, Ugh. this, this is movie devastating This does change him. him. Yeah, it's, everything in this movie, like, fucks him up. Because everything that his father had promised him when he was taking over the family, he trusted in him, he loved him. The family will take care of you as long as you take care of the family. Here, Michael is taking care of the family and creating a life for them. And nobody is taking care of him. Nobody is holding on to him. No one is is supporting him. Even Kay turns her back on him. Like, he just can't get a footing in any inch way. And it's it's sad. It really is sad, but it's so nice to see the, the work and the structure between Lee Strasberg and Al Pacino and the dynamics in this film. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, but we have a lot to thank for Lee Strasberg. He did so much for Justin Hoffman, James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, Jane Fonda, Paul Newman, everybody, everybody, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Like he's brought some of the best actors into Hollywood from New York. Lee Strasberg, I mean, we learned about him a lot in school, so I've had the honor to learn his teachings, not obviously for the master himself. Unfortunately, he has passed no, on. But his teachings have spread through generations of actors, so yeah, he's, he still lives on. He and does still I remember, live on. I remember learning that that was him, and I was like, what? The bad guy part two? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll never forget. I was like, no shit. That was him? No shit. Okay, I have a fun fact for you. Yes. So, you know the Godfather song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what it's called? No, I don't actually know the technical term, no. It is not just the Godfather song, which you could say and anybody would be like, oh yeah. Da-na-na-na. Okay, but it is really called Speak Softly Love. Hmm. So that's the name of the song. That's really pretty. That, even though it is such a, you hear it and you're like, oh shit, somebody's about to die. Like, it just, it really is, speak softly, love. I love that. Is that the one that won a Grammy? Did they win a Grammy? An Oscar, I believe they won an Oscar for it. Oh, it won an Oscar. That's amazing. Speaking of Oscars, can we, can we talk about something real quick? Is this the De Niro fun fact that I got? Yep. <laughs> so... Robert De Niro wins Best Supporting Actor 
for this movie, mm-hmm. killing it, which I would definitely say, hell yeah. This is the last Oscar he ever won. He's only won this one in Raging Bull, which are both two amazing movies. I love Raging Bull. I love Raging Bull, too. But Marlon Brando won Best Supporting Actor for the first one. Yes. So this is the first time that, or did he get Best Actor? Did he get Best Actor? He won Best Actor, not Best Supporting Actor for The Godfather, but he refused the actual Oscar himself and boycotted the ceremony and actually sent a Native American woman. Her name is Little Feather. She's amazing. And she stood in front of the Academy and she was like, you know, Mr. Brando is denying his acceptance of this award because of the degrading way that hollywood and the united states was treating indians and still still to this day like it's kind of amazing that this was a discussion back in 19 in the 1970s and it's still a, a huge controversial statement today but that's what's so beautiful about marlon brando is that i i i can't handle anyone that speaks ill of him because he is such a beautiful person that cared so much about a movement, about causes. He was so specific about what he was fighting for. I believe he was an honorary member of the Black Panther Party, wasn't he? I was about to say, he is not racist in the slightest. This guy has like 50-something kids, and they are like all different races. Yeah. (laughs) But he won Best Actor. Robert De Niro won Best Supporting Actor. He also did not show up to the Academy Awards for different reasons. I don't think I don't think it was anything political, but he also did not was not there to accept his Al Pacino award. De Niro. Oh well, the same year that Marlon Brando won Best Actor, Al Pacino refused getting the award for supporting actor. Do you remember? Because he had more screen time than Marlon Brando, but yet they were coining him as a supporting actor in The Godfather, and he thought it wasn't right. And that was a huge problem for him because it it, it, I mean, it just shows what kind of structure the award ceremony was really about. And he was pissed. So he also denied taking his, not on a great standing, I mean, but. Well, I mean, he, that was the first movie, but he didn't, This that wasn't for part two, was it? No, no, it's not part two. Okay. Okay. So, well, Robert De Niro and Marlon Brando are the one of the only two a- actors to win an Academy Award for playing the exact same character in two different movies. So mm-hmm. That is the history there. They won a gang of awards. I think it was nominated for 11 and won like six, six mm-hmm. or eight. So, yeah, it, it, it did great. People were so excited to see it. De Niro, who we just talked about how amazing he was, he spent like three months in Sicily just living and submersing himself there and four months of learning to speak Italian. Sicilian. Sicilian? Sicilian. There we go. And that's why he is very fluid. He is one of few actors to win an Academy Award for portraying a role that speaks majority a different language than English. Mm -hmm. He only says like maybe like two or three words in general in this whole movie that are in English. I believe it's, uh, isn't it the only eight words? And he says, I'll make an offer, he don't refuse. I'll make him an offer, he won't refuse. He's just, yeah. That's it. He he don't say much. So, you know the scene where little Vito comes over to Ellis Island and they're asking him his name and they're checking his mouth and looking for lice and all of the stuff. And then they put a circle X on his hand. Mm -hmm. On his coat, yeah. 
So this was something that they really did in Ellis Island. And this stood for mental defect. Mm -hmm. So they thought something was mentally wrong with him, which tracks because when his mom goes and pleads for his life from the dawn, she's like, look, all I don't kill my son. He's all I have. He's the youngest. He's small. He's pitiful. You know, he's not smart. He's not all there. I don't, I don't remember exactly her words, but she said something along the line. Like, you know, he won't ever come back to kill you because he's not, you know, he's special. He's not going to come back. Yeah. And he's just like, nah. It makes sense. I think it was that he just didn't really talk. He didn't talk. He just didn't talk. And they were just like, something's wrong with this guy, which is something that tracks through his whole life. You watch the first one and he doesn't talk that much. Like he Mm -hmm. does. But anytime he's talking, he's talking because he has something important and beautiful to say. To tell you, yeah, for you to get from what he's saying. So I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, I don't really know. I've never been to Ellis Island and I don't really know what immigrants went through, but. We have Robert De Niro. Who you just realize is just an observant, patient, tiny type of guy. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, I don't think anything's mentally wrong with him. I no, no, whatsoever. He was. He's been like that his whole life. His whole life, and and people just never understood him, so mm-hmm. they just marked him off. They gave him a, a circle X and sent him on his way. Yep. Okay, so one of the lines in this movie. You, that you've already quoted, but keep your keep your friends close and your enemies closer is rated number fifty eighth quote on the American Film Institute list of one hundred quotes. So it's in there in the middle, mixing it up a little bit. And I uh, hear someone say that quote every single month of my life. Your dad was he saying that? No, ev- people in general. People are constantly always saying that quote. Like, that is one of the most legendary quotes that I hear nonstop from people. Wow. Why? That's so weird. No, I mean. People who have, like, enemies around? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's a quote that, like, I feel like it's thrown around once in a while in my life. But, like, once a month someone says that, that's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. I think uh, my friend just said it the the other day on Instagram. It's just one of the most common quotes. It's such a common quote. Like, I mean, it is the biggest quote from this movie. The first one would be like, I'll make a moon offer you can't refuse. Yeah. And then they I bring it like back for, in the second one for Robert De Niro to say, which I fucking love. I feel like the the number one line from part three would be like, as soon as I thought I was out, they pull me back, back in. <laughs> so it has some legendary. I'm sure all three of those quotes are on that list of 100 because they're pretty legendary. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, Danny Ailes, he is, he usually plays a mobster or some type of dude like that. He is, has a short scene when Frank goes in the bar and they try to choke him out and Roth tries to make it seem like it's Michael. Yeah. He chokes him and he says, Michael Corleone says hello. Michael Corleone says hello. And he like chokes him out and pulls him into the back. That was ad-libbed by him. He kind of was nervous working with Coppola. Like, oh my God, this guy's kind of amazing. And just blurted something out as he was choking him. Coppola loved it, which I think it's great because it just shows. Because at first you do it and you're like, dang, Michael, why'd you kill your homie? That's what I thought you, he was on your side. And he's like, nah, it's Roth just trying to make Fuck with your mind. Like yeah, fuck with your mind. So even if you do survive, you're, it's not coming back to him. Mm-mm. And, uh. It works. It works pretty good because he sings like a motherfucking bird. What's funny uh, is that that actor doesn't even remember saying those lines. He doesn't even understand why he said it. He said, I don't know why I said it. I don't remember saying it. I was so nervous. I just kind of said it. And 
he just like keep saying it. He was like, oh, "What am I saying again?" <laughs> it's pretty cute. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh-huh. You just subconsciously thought to say that, and it, it works volumes. You don't even realize it. Okay, no? very last one. So since we're talking about Frankie, the actor Michael V. Gazzo. Gazzo, Michael Michael V. Gazzo. Michael V. Gazzo. An Academy so, Award winner. Academy Award winner. It has to be for that fucking scene of him. Like it's so good. <laughs> I love doing the invitation of him. It makes me so happy. He's like, uh, I, I used to know his father. Uh, yeah, we did a business in the olive oil company. But that was many years ago. He's just like, fucking, he does a great job. So yeah. When they had that scene coming in, they rehearsed it and he did it perfect. And Coppola's like, all right, let's, let's like, let's shoot this. Let's get it done. <laughs> And they're like, hey, girl, mm, we can't. It's lunchtime. Everyone has to go for an hour for lunch. He's like, fine. But when he comes back, Michael me, Michael V. Gonzo had been sipping, sipping and came back on the set drunk. So that's oh. kind of why, like, he has that, like, he does seem drunk in that scene. He does. I always, th- I always thought that, you know, that was just the way he played him because he seems drunk in almost every scene that you see him in. Yeah. Like at the the first the time we see him, he's, he's drinking water from a fucking hose, like a hobo. Like, what are you doing? Well, that's a really fun fact, and this is something crazy. In Europe, they have fountains, like pouring out hose, fount- like fountains that people go up to and drink from regularly, and they have actual urinals all over Italy and Par- and France that you can just walk up to and pee right there uh, in the public, like on the street. You can just walk into this little enclosed area where you can just like relieve yourself right there in the street. What about women? What do we do? Apparently we women will turn around and just like lean over a little bit and just pee out. <laughs> it's serious. I'm not against this. And also they have the fountains where you could just go up and drink right out of the fountain. And it's not a big deal. All right. Then that makes it a little different on his choice. I just thought he was just like, nobody will give me water around here. You, He's got <laughs> me waiting in the lobby. I know. I think that we will definitely talk more about a lot of these people late uh, in a separate time because I am totally down to do Godfather 1. Yeah. I feel like if we don't, it's like having a sneeze stuck in your nose that you can't get out if you just want to sneeze if we don't do it. So I would like to get my sneeze on with part one. <laughs> right. So we will definitely do that. Diane Keaton will talk more about you. I love you, boo. Especially when we do First Wives Club. Oh, we have to do the First Wives Club. I love that so much. I love that movie. So, yes. <sighs> we did we it, did girl. It. Do you want to tell everyone in the world where they can find us? People, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Or today. Or whatever you're listening to us. I don't even right know what is happening. Uh, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Check us out. You can catch us wherever you listen podcasts, other places, you know, Podbeam, Flossed in Paradise. Flossed in Paradise. Uh, just Flossed in Paradise Pod, right? <laughs> pod Paradise. Flossed in Paradise Pod. Paradise. <laughs> paradise Pod. <laughs> yeah, podparadise.com, Player FM. We're on Amazon Music. Spotify, check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and go on any of our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're making videos, we're making cocktails, we're sharing our information. Go She's ahead and got me like TikToking, us, y'all. Follow us and share us. Please don't be afraid to email us at a lights camera cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com. We'd love to hear movie recommendations, close encounters. We just love 
commenting and hearing from you guys. Tell us any trivia that you might know that we missed out on. We love talking about film. We love talking about music. We love talking about actors, directors, cinematography. Just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. I think it's been great. I think that we proved that sequels can be good by the picks that we picked this month. If you don't believe the sequels can be good, you need to watch all these movies we have said. And you'll be happy. Because honestly, they've been great. Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. And we have one more left to do for you. We do. Do you want to tell everybody in the world what our very last part 222 is? Next week, we are going to be doing none other than... The Lost World, Jurassic Park, second film in the franchise. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. So I would suggest you guys go back and listen to our Jurassic Park episode to get ready for this one. I'm very very excited. excited. This is going to be great. Thank you so much for checking in with us and hanging out with us. Well, thank you for drinking with me and talking with me, Lenny. I always appreciate it. I love you. Thank you so much for drinking with me. It's been so much fun. <laughs> this was a deep movie. There were so many fun facts. We couldn't go through them all, but There's we will many. be back for another one. So please tune in next week for another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. You broke my heart, Lenny. You broke my heart. I am not interested in things that don't concern me. Ooh. Oh. <laughs>